We live inside a dream. I hope I see all of you again. Every one of you. Hello, listening people. <laughs> that was amazing. Hello, listening people. It's us, the Spin Polish crew at you. I'm Agent Ryan. <laughs> and I'm FBI Director Bartek. <laughs> I'll sing you Denise, but yeah, I'll be FBI Director Bartek. Hello, Bartek. How are you? Good, Agent. How are you? I am good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we are very, very eccentric in this show that I don't know what it's titled. So we're just here. We're just here catching up. Bartek, how are you? Are you good? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I miss the mystery box, but I'm good. Yes, yeah, so we are just here casually chatting about uh, Twin Peaks Season 3, or aka Twin Peaks The Return, or the Twin Peaks Revival, or as IMDb calls it, Twin Peaks. So it's always great when a new entry just has the original entry name. Hmm. Isn't it? So we're just doing this instead of our mystery box show because of the world being a crazy nightmare world, and... Bartok and I... Did... Yeah, just for context, there's a thing called COVID-19. And, oh, uh, shit. Is that what's going on? Yeah, and it does the bad. It does the bad. So we're just doing this as something a bit different because we can't do the, the mystery box properly anymore because of that. Uh, hopefully we'll return. But we also did a Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me discussion, a review on our weekly show, Pictures Powwow, that you can check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be referencing some views that we expressed there. But some people showed interest in us coming back and talking about the third season because, just to give just a little pitch of it, is Bartek had not seen Twin Peaks before until I showed it to him on the pretense that we would do the Fire Walk With Me movie. And that meant when we did that movie, he had not seen this revival, return, third mm-hmm. season. And I had before, and I have seen it before. So some people were interested to to kind of come back and hear thoughts on what our views on it are, because in that episode we didn't really discuss what our views of that are, because you didn't have any, and I was like, we're not going to discuss that for now. Yeah, for the sake of talking about a movie and not spoiling me, we just kept it to firewalk with me and what came before. Yeah, exactly. So we are back. We don't usually talk about TV shows, so this will be a bit of a new ground for it's a us. Little, it's a little trial. Maybe something will come with it. Who knows? Uh, so we will be talking about all of Twin Peaks, <laughs> I believe. Yeah, that's Pretty true. Much. So if you haven't seen Twin Peaks at all, including this third season... Yeah, it's season one, season two, firewalk with me, the missing... Was it missing pieces. tapes, missing pieces, and the revival season. Uh, so we'll be talking about all that. So if you haven't seen those, uh, you know, do because we are going to be spoiling stuff for you. Uh, so just to brush back up on our views and history with this franchise, <laughs> I had seen this before. I've seen Twin Peaks before. I. Really like those first two seasons, particularly the first season, as most people do. Mm. Uh, I think my favorite entry in all of the Twin Peaks is the pilot. I love that episode. I love that whole tone. I love everything about the pilot. It's funny. It's sad. It's it's, it's in, super solid. Yeah, it's super solid. That's my favorite entry. And then I really do like Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me, which we have a whole episode on. But that one's a very divisive movie, movie and entry in any series. 
because David Lynch was like, let's do a prequel. Um, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Get real. <laughs> and, um, oh, that's right. That's his line, yeah. Get real. <laughs> get, start watching it on your fucking phone. So eventually, like mentioned, I wanted Bartek to watch this show so that we could do the movie because I really wanted to talk about the movie. And with this third season, a.k.a. The Return, a.k.a. The Revival, a.k.a. Twin Peaks. A.k.a. Limited something. Limited event series. Yeah, limited event AKA series. A.k.a. Twin Peaks. Too many titles, guys. Just choose one. Uh, Twin Peaks 2017. I had not watched it since viewing it when it first came out by the week-by-week basis. So this... Okay. Rewatching it for doing this, and after you had returned it to me, Bartek, was the first time I had seen this since then, and also the first time I got to see it in a continuous chunk of mm-hmm. viewings, not just like one episode a week. It was like four episodes a day kind of thing. So it was a very different viewing experience for me. So, Bartek, like I just kind of said, you didn't have any history with Twin Peaks until I forced it upon you, but you were interested. Yeah, I was, because I have you know, played games or watched things that have mentioned that they're directly inspired by Twin Peaks. So, and because I enjoyed those, I was like, well... It it uh, the pieces fit that maybe I should see Twin Peaks at some point, and you mentioning you know that you wanted to do Fire Walk with me was a really good excuse to you know get into it. So now you've seen it all. Yes, I've seen um, it all. We'll talk about the sh- the new season in a second. I've just got to cover some ground. Now you've seen it all. Yep. Do you have any particular favorite entry into it? Like, do you have a favorite episode or favorite season, or like, is the movie your favorite, or is this new season your favorite thing? Like. Everyone has their own points of view of like what their favorite thingy is mm. in this series of stories. In in terms of episodes, I do think that the pilot is just really solid. Like, mm. and again, it's also the very first thing. There's no required prerequisite. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. That that pilot is just a really strong beginning. Yeah. I can definitely agree with that. And then obviously everything you know follows up on. You need to know things. Yes. Yes, so you're saying the pilot is probably one of your favourite things? I'd probably say the pilot, yeah. Um, now you've seen it all, do you have a favourite character in the show? So I remember when I started watching the show, you asked me that question, like, do you have a favourite character so far? And I was thinking about Bobby at that point, and you had this reaction of like, oh, like this very, like, not yeah. disgusting, but like this very pleasant, like, oh, you like Bobby. <laughs> yeah, because and, Bobby's a piece of shit. Yeah. In those original show, he was a piece of shit. Yeah. And, a lovable piece of shit. Yeah, and I think, you know, outside of, you know, the obvious of, you know, Cooper and Gordon, the characters that really gel with me, I think I think I am set on Bobby being a favourite character. Yes, it's hard to say favourite character because the answer is always Coop, right? It's always yeah. coming back to Coop. Coop's the heart of the show, hence... A lot of people don't like Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me because he's not really in it. He's not really his story. He's not continuing on. And they love the revival. And they love the revival. Well, at least he's in it. Karl yeah. McLaughlin's there. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Uh, my favorite outside of um, outside of Coop. Uh, you know, I like Gordon too, but he's more of like a oh, what a wacky character. And then the third season or the return of the revival, aka Twin Peaks changes that up a bit he comes less of a comedic foil character he actually becomes a character yeah he has serious moments which i'm very keen to hear your thoughts on because i knew that i know that you liked him because he was a wacky goofy character with david lynch shouting all the time but then this third 
season kind of changes him into an actual character character, not just like a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite is Ben Horn, man. I fucking love Ben Horn. I also love Leland too, but Ben Horn was just one of those characters that just like, man, I just fucking love that guy because he's so despicable. And then what they actually do with him in the second season, I actually really enjoy. I know lots of people don't care for what happens to characters in the second season after the reveal of the murderer, but I actually really like Ben Horn. He was always a character I appreciated and really enjoyed, and I liked what they did with him in season two of this idea of a guy who was trying to force redemption by sheer will alone, and is it actual redemption he's seeking, or is this just another mischievous plan? Because part of his redemption involves a mischievous plan. Yeah. And I was so keen when this third season came out like who are they going to get back what characters are going to appear again you know as we all are and then ones you knew were going to come back like you you can't not have coop you can't not have hawk or these people but i was really worried are we not going to get ben horn because that guy retired from acting and uh i was really worried and then we found out ben horn was going to be in and i'm like yes and he's sitting there in his office and he looks the exact same basically except he's got white hair yeah he's just older he, he basically, and he's, he's got the glasses, and I'm like, yes, it's Ben, and he's got, like, his little name log, like, the little <laughs> log with Ben carved into it. I'm like, yes, we're back at the Ben Horn fucking show. He was one of my favorites. Um, when I told you that uh, this third season was, like, a big sprawling epic, and you're going to have characters that won't come back, and ones that are coming back, were there certain characters that you were really hoping to see that didn't make it into the show, into um, this n- new show. I think I had that more with Fire Walk with me. Like I really thought Audrey would be in that, but she wasn't. Um, I do remember before I started the show, I asked you questions of like, "Oh, is this character there? Is this character there?" I remember Lucy and Andy were one of those, and you were like, "Oh yeah, they're in it." Of course. <laughs> and yeah, I like Lucy's a hero. <laughs> she really is. <laughs> um, she understands how mobile sell your phones work now. Characters that I was unsure of if they'd be there. I mean, you 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 told me a lot of the ones that weren't going to be there. Like you know, pretty much all the Packard characters weren't there, except in like you yeah. know stock footage. Um, Which is a bummer. Were there any like that I didn't know about that weren't there? I think. No, I, I think I had a general idea of who was there, who wasn't. So there was none it. that you were disappointed didn't show up. Um. I feel like there is something on the tip of my tongue. I, I think just there's that general thing of like, oh, I knew they're not coming back, but okay. Like Harry would have been one that I would have liked to see. We again. all would have loved Harry to come back. Yeah, that's... Yeah. One thing that surprised me, though, was that they tried... They had that excuse that they kept using of like, oh, he's still around, but you just don't see him. Yeah. That was a bit, yeah, awkward. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about something. So this is a... This is a big thing to approach, and since we don't talk about TV shows that on the show, it's kind of like a weird precedent to talk about what is one of the most complicated TV shows that we could <laughs> plunge onto ourselves. But there are things where, Bartek, you know, you, you didn't have this anticipation. You got to watch it. It's all here now. Yeah. You can go from season two to season three, and you don't have to worry about, like, oh, no, will we find out what happened to Coop when he smashed his head in the mirror? No, here it is. Like, yeah. We, me, and others did, and there's just certain characters that you're like, oh, it is disappointing that Harry's not there, but oh, 
there's the obvious one. Uh, what? Fucking Heather Graham. Oh, yes, Annie. Yes, would have been great to see Heather Graham. I mean, it's always great to see Heather Graham, but yeah, Annie would have been great to see. Yeah, I felt like there was a... Harry would have been great to see, but here's the thing. I, I think most people, like, we all like Harry because Coop likes Harry, but I'd mm. never hear anyone say Harry's their favorite character oh, in the yeah, show. For like, sure. he's solid, and I, but I think it's just like in the show, in this new season, the way that they handle Harry not being in the show feels very awkward, like you said, and it's kind of annoying because. We understand why it's handled like that from a meta sense of the actor didn't want to come back, but they have such respect for that character and the actor yeah, that they didn't want to just say, oh, he's dead, because in case they ever do come back and that guy wants to come back, they yeah. could have him there. But there's also that other thing of if you don't know the meta reason of the actor didn't want to come back, it feels like they're teasing you. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true, <laughs> too. Like, yeah, I guess that's true. There were certain characters that I would have been interested in seeing, sure, like Annie I think is a real bummer that she's not here. I think, I think she was a very pivotal character in the second season, even though she's only in a few episodes. I think she really added something and she was in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. Yeah, I think I like one of the big things that was carrying me through the show was How's Annie? I get <laughs> I mean, yeah, as much as I made jokes about that, that really was a thing of like the reason Cooper got stuck for twenty five years is because he was trying to rescue Annie. And so, then we don't get to see her. And when he's back to normal, he doesn't even mention her. Nobody mentioned They only mention One her character- when they find a diary entry that mentions Annie. And they're like, oh, yeah, Annie, she was like this woman. And it's like, okay. Yeah, that Cooper fell in love with after he said that he probably would never fall in love again. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, Harry obviously would have been great. I think he would have been fantastic. Josie would have been great to see... That actress has said that she was willing to come back, but just never got contacted. And mm. Josie was always a character that I felt in the original show had more potential than they gave her, uh, especially with how her ending went. Yeah, You're thinking f- something's going to happen there, yeah, but just nothing ever happens. Her fate is very ambiguous. It's very brutal, too. Yeah. But the show has always been brutal to women. You know, violence against women has been very prevalent, and it is still in this new iteration. Yeah. They even bring back actors that play the smallest of roles. Like, they brought back the German waitress. Yeah, who appeared in, like, two episodes, and the joke was that both the scenes she was in were, like, mirrors of each other. They brought back Sylvia Horn. That's the same actress. Like, who remembers Sylvia Horn as a character? But they brought her back. And you remember her in this season because she suffers brutally. Yeah, they brought back the fat trout guy. Yeah. And he's very different. Harry Dean Stanton, he's very, very different. Don't sell blood. Uh, was you um, gonna tell me that? Come to me. Was um, was it said that Deer Meadows was close to Twin Peaks? It was kind of never really stated, but it was always kind of I can't remember. Maybe in the pilot, but it kind of felt like to me like it would be a good drive away. But in this iteration, it feels like everything's really close yeah. to each other. Even though the show makes it a great point about how everything's really far away, but who you know, I guess it would be good enough. I think I th- you know what? Now that I remember it, I think in early Fire Walk with me. The description of, like, where it was, the numbers kind of matched up to the part of Washington that Twin Peaks was at, so maybe there is some justification. We'll allow it. So, we're talking about all this stuff, but let's talk about, what did you think of Twin Peaks? I was going to say The Return <laughs> or whatever, but I'm like, it's just called Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks and all the subtitles. <laughs> um, I, I quite enjoyed it. There was definitely an element of me walking in, hearing that it was different and wondering like, oh, well, how, how, did, it just, how did the general people take it? Because um, 
when I started season one and I saw, you know, what the show was, it actually threw me off a little bit because I always heard that Twin Peaks is this, you know, intense, intense, really weird series where a lot of things don't make sense. And that first season and most of the second season, a lot of it was pretty, like, literal and very understandable. Like, I think in the first season, the only two things, and I think I mentioned this in Firewalk With Me, that were, like, really that abstract that you saw were Cooper's dream in one of the early episodes and all of Bob's appearances. Like, what did this mean? Most of it was pretty much what these people are doing in their day-to-day lives. I mean, you do have weird things. Like, in the pilot, they're like, she, he's, Coop's like, who's that lady with the log? Oh, that, that lady with the log? We call her Log Lady. And you're like, yes, what yes. the and, fuck is that? And that is weird, but <laughs> it's a very literal thing that can happen. We can have that exchange <laughs> in real life. Yeah, but like circuit... in a normal show. Yeah, I know, I know. There but... would never be a Log Lady character. Yeah, I know, like, I know so that. Odd. I know that, but like just the very literal surface level thing of like, oh, there could be a lady walking but, around with a log. Bartek, it's just the meaning behind I it. I want a two by four. Two by four. <laughs> two by four. <laughs> Yeah, like, I agree, like, it has this, like, a lot of big shows that are culturally relevant, but fall into more cult classics, like a Star Trek, like a Twin Peaks, there's pop culture perceptions, and then when you actually walk in, you get something a bit different, so I always think of, uh, not Family Guy, of of The Simpsons, where Homer's watching Twin Peaks, and he's like, this show's absolutely brilliant. And then it cuts to like him dancing with a unicorn underneath, like, like all random elements. And from he's the just show like, and he's like, shot. but I have absolutely no idea what's going on. <laughs> the giant dancing with the unicorn under the tree or something, <laughs> <laughs> under like a full moon. It's all of absurd nonsense. Yeah, this is a, a weird thing. So, you enjoyed this new season? Oh yes, yeah. I, I started the point, and then we just didn't finish it. Um, so watching the third season, and by extension, Fire Walk with me, it was a lot more what I was expecting going into the show at the beginning. Mm. Um, and there was still a lot of things that, like, very surface level, you can understand this, but also just a lot more of you know abstract things that make you think. That make you go. Mm. I said to Bartek, and I said this in our in our Fire Walk with me episode that Fire Walk with me is tonally where this season goes. Yeah. I've said this on the episode, but there's a friend of ours that loves Twin Peaks. They really love this new season. Never seen Fire Walk with me. And I just go, you must have not understood, like, I'll be honest, 40% of what was happening. Because it's like 40% of this really is just referencing that. Like literal scenes from the movie are just in the show. That's true, yeah. And... I, I, you know, I don't understand it, but, you know, because they were told, like, oh, it's shit, don't watch it, it's a waste of time, because it's a prequel, it means nothing. But now, this new season recontextualizes it, so how do you feel about how Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me exists now that you've had this entry into it? Because, like I said, it kind of recontextualizes that film. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of elements introduced in that film that definitely have you know, been carried over into this. Like, we get introduced to the ring, uh, anything to do with Deer Meadows. There's mentions of the guy that goes missing, the agent. Mm. Um, Chet Desmond. Chet Desmond. Uh, we won't see him, but... Yeah. Philip Jeffries? Uh, the term Blue Rose, Philip Jeffries. Yeah, there's just a lot of things that were set up, and it's really crazy to think that, you know, 24 years later, there is an element at following through on all of them. Yeah. But also just tonally, this matches not this doesn't match those first two seasons like the yeah. first two seasons were intense 
and made a little bit more sense, like you said, but just, like, they weren't as brutal and nihilistic as this season can be at points. I think this show is still optimistic, maybe to a naive sense. Mm. Uh, what I mean with the recontextualizing thing, too, is we've got to talk about, like, this film, the film... We said this. It's like David Lynch wanted to say farewell to this character he fell in love with. Yeah. And it's like this show, this third season, is like David Lynch... It's like It comes across to me as like he never... Although he said farewell to that character, it's like it wasn't enough. It's like he wanted to reach into his own creation and pull out this singular character and make sure she's okay. Yeah. And then this show literally does that at the end. And then... David Lynch and Mark Frost being the two guys that they are, are like, yeah, but what happens if you did that? Wouldn't it fuck everything up? <laughs> yeah. And it does. Yeah, and the funny thing is, when you say reach in and take her, literally reaching in and taking her from a scene from the film that said farewell to her. That scene is awesome, even more so now that we know what's going on in this <laughs> new season. Like, you wonder, like, we knew that the script, the original script was so vast that they had ideas of sequels or whatever, but did they plan it out like that? Yeah. That scene, you wonder, like, is that her screaming, was it planned out like that, or was that just a happy accident that they were like, ooh, we can do something with this. This is Yeah, when she did the scream and it was clear that she was screaming at, like, Cooper that was watching, I was like, that was in the film, wasn't it? And there would have been no explanation. No, it's just her emotional mood swings. And, and because clearly the film ends with her not being intercepted, it's like, what did that mean? Yeah. What did she scream at that didn't come back? Yeah, exactly. It's an interesting dynamic of things being played out. But we'll talk about that a bit more. So what characters, other than Coop, of course, we'll get to Coop, were you really happy to see back? You're just like, ah, oh, here they are. I mean, again, my favourite character, Bobby, got a follow-through that was pretty good, and we were talking about this last week, too, uh, off the air, that we wanted to see a bit more of, even. Yeah, I would have loved more Bobby action. Yeah. Um, yeah, some characters they had that I felt like, oh, they, they brought them back pretty late in, and... <coughs> Audrey Horn. <laughs> Audrey yes, yeah. I was actually going to go into Big Ed, but like you also said... Uh, he they give him a satisfying conclusion. You mean a happy one? A happy one. <laughs> After like who knows how long for them? It's been like since high school. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <sighs> Twenty five years in terms of the show that we've seen, but for them, it's clearly been since high school. Clearly more than twenty five years. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like you said, Audrey. Um. Well, but who were you happy to see? Like you're talking about, like oh, they came in late and you wanted more of that, but like. Bobby, obviously. Bobby was a very clear one. I'm happy that they had most of the police force back because they were mm. always very chipper and fun. Yeah. Um. Obviously, since since he wasn't in much of uh Firewalk with me, we got a lot of Coop, mm. a lot of uh, uh, and even beyond that, a lot of Kyle McLaughlin. I think <laughs> yeah, we should Kyle say Kyle McLaughlin. We'll say <laughs> we got more well, of Kyle. It, it was starring Kyle McLaughlin. Even the episode where it was just used footage of Karma Clock, but it still had it used. Karma Clock. I got to say, when I was rewatching it, when I watched it the first time, I was really excited to see Ben Horn, and I was. I was so happy with what we got of him. Jerry Horn was an extra bonus. He was fun. <laughs> the character, why I was always reacting like, oh, Bobby, because Bobby was one of those characters to me that when I first saw him, I didn't care for him too much. I, I like, I, it was a good performance, but the character just didn't gel with me. The second time around, he really gelled with me. 
And viewing it again for this, it really, really emotionally washed over me seeing him and seeing where he's at in life as an older person. I remember so many people were angry that he's a policeman. Because how did someone like Bobby become a policeman? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like his dad. I believe in him. <laughs> like, <you> know, like, <laughs> and I just didn't expect to care so much on the second watch for Bobby. But again, it happened. It's just like Bobby and that act is really good. And there's something to be said about where him and Shelley are at in life. And the things that aren't said. See, this show does a really interesting job. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Of things that aren't said yeah. about where what have happened to characters, and sometimes you want them to be said. Yeah, sometimes to the point you don't. Of, to the point of they're actually being hidden. Yes, and with that, I was fine with them never stating like why they broke up or what happened there. Mm. I loved it. I loved it. I loved that Shelley has a new boyfriend who's just basically Bobby 2.0, where it's like a drug dealing scumwad who does magic tricks. And he's like the worst kind of guy. And I can just imagine in my brain that they broke up. And I don't mean to devalue Shelley's character, but just going off of what we got in this season, I think Shelley likes bad boys, obviously. She likes broken individuals. She likes tough guys. And I think there must have been a point in that relationship where Bobby turned around and he became a cop and that just wasn't good enough mm. anymore. So, And I, I just say that because of her pattern of having these men and then in this season you see that weirdo drug dealer guy that we met in one scene before and she's with him and you're like, oh geez, Shelly, come on. Yeah, that scene where they're like having a serious conversation, you know, the parents and the daughter, mm. and then she sees the boyfriend just runs off, like has a yeah. flirty thing with him. Makes she's out. like Shelly from the show immediately, like she's so bubbly and chirp, chipper, yeah, she's and, like from the, sh- and, like the original and show. And Bobby and the daughter are like, this is not the fucking time. And that was great. They didn't yeah. have, and they didn't duke it out. They just was like, this is the situation we're in. And then you see the daughter. She has her own cycle of, like, like Shelly does. Yeah, and she's she's currently with a Leo kind of thing. A Leo drug addled idiot boy, which I don't care for. We'll get into that later. But uh, I was really excited to see Ben Horn initially. But, you know, on the initial watch and this rewatch, Bobby really did strike a chord with me. He just... He really hit home. His, I don't know, and that's his, why I'm a bit bummed that he's not in it more. Yeah, I think his second scene where like he saw the evidence laid out in the picture of Laura Palmer and he just got so emotional. Like, man. And it was a different kind of emotional to the original series. It was like, it really was like, oh man, this is, I haven't had, I haven't thought about this in so long. Yeah. Jeez. And like, you could see like there's so many things going on in the performance that you can interpret. Like to me, it's like, not only is it a memory, but it's also like, him being sad, the fact that he's forgotten or moved on from it. Like, it's been so long since he's thought about it. Yeah, it was that kind of sad where, like, you kind of laugh during it. And it's like, oh, oh, man, these are funny feelings, man. And it's a bit like a sadness of, like, man, these feelings were all I felt. This was the girl I loved. And now it's, like, decades later and I haven't thought about it in so long. And, mm. like, that's yeah, and like, fucked. and even in like, like that's how it is. Yeah, and even in the first two seasons, he kind of does move beyond that and doesn't think about her much. So you can even see right there that he's not thinking about her. But yeah, then then this is probably like the first time, as we know, that he might have thought strongly about her since maybe the funeral or something. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's great, and, and I just wish there was more Bobby. This is where we get into some of our problems. 
Bostic and I kind of agree that, honestly, you didn't need the other Truman brother. As much as they wanted him there because the actor was the original choice for Harry, make him a different character. I think it would have been better if Hawk was chief. Like, if he was... Yeah, considering he probably has the most screen time of the police in the show. And just bump everyone up a rank and give Bobby a more significant rank and let him do more stuff. Mm. There were so many times where I'm just like, you know the scene where Truman's getting the key from Ben Horn? Yeah. Why can't this be Hawk? Or why can't it be Bobby? Honestly. You know? Yeah, I mean, Ben Horn and Bobby have a connection, so... And also, like, wouldn't it be interesting if Bobby goes up to Ben Horn because the pretense of that scene is they're there to tell uh, Ben Horn the p- Truman's there to tell Ben Horn that uh, Richard Horn his grandson has murdered a child yeah ran him over with a car wouldn't it have been more dramatically like intense and satisfying if it was Bobby talking to Ben Horn about this and Bobby having some empathy and relation with Ben Horn already because their history but also he's seen Bobby, him at his lowest yeah and Bobby's been a fuck up before like Richard has not to that extent, but like, well, Twin Pigs Fire Walk Me, he did kill a guy. Yeah, uh, like shit like that. Like it wouldn't have been a little bit more than just here's Robert Forrester, who's a great actor, but he's just kind of here, and we don't know him. Oh, his son died, and he has a wife that doesn't like him very much, and that's kind of all we know. And he's Harry's brother. Yeah, like that's where my one of my negatives is into this. Uh, what were some of your negatives of this? Because this is a very divisive show. I don't think that this is a perfect season. I think it mm. has a lot of flaws. But what were some that st- stood out for you? I guess, and this is something that I had on my mind as a thing that you told me that I walked in thinking about, was you always brought up David Lynch's relationship to fan service, how he's mm. not a big fan of fan service. He doesn't, he wants to like... Uh, work work against your expectations and things like that. Yeah, a good and, portion of the time. Yeah, and when I was watching the show, I kept thinking about that and thinking like, yeah, that, that is respectful that you want to do your own thing. But at some point, it almost feels like you are purposely like working against that and that could be like a, a detriment at some point. Like, yeah. there are characters that, you know, had relationships or, or, or you know, some connections that you could make in the first two seasons. Mm. I'll repeat myself, I think I said this in Fire Walk With Me, that one of the things I really liked about the first two seasons was that I, if I didn't remember a character immediately, I could immediately go into my head and, like, point out all the, like, connections. Like, oh, this character knows this character, this character knows that, and I just immediately remember who this character is. Um, and because this show jumps around the United States so much... There isn't as much of that going on. So, like, we mentioned mm. Audrey is in the show. But she's not with anyone? She doesn't interact with any known character that she had a connection with in those first two seasons. She only talks to a new character. Yes, who we don't know. Yeah. That's the thing, too. So, I felt that, too, on the first watching of this. And I, you know, I think I was a bit harsh in saying that he doesn't like fan service Because this does have a lot of fan service. It does, yes. But that fan service feels so earned in comparison to fan service in other pieces of media, probably because he's withholding other pieces of fan service that we want. We want the cherry pie. We want the coffee. We want the thumbs up. We want Coop to be Coop immediately. Mm. We want them to just be pals. But everyone's separated off. Everyone's kind of yeah, I think cut the, off from one another. Yeah, the point I was making wasn't so much for that that feeling of like positive nostalgia, but just like... 
logically, I feel like we do need this. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I no, I agree. But I'm just saying, like, there is a thing within us where we we do crave that warmth of familiarity that we had before. Like, we all wish that there was never a cancellation of the show, and it immediately that yeah. You know, so when it does those fan service things, like when Coop is remembering who he is in little parts, it really warms your heart. Or, or yeah, but see, when characters are true to what they were originally, like Hawk is still Hawk, you know, and, and Andy's still Andy and Lucy's still Lucy. And like you have all these people and then you have some characters that feel like they've naturally evolved, like Shelly and Bobby, where I feel like those have naturally evolved. But then you get a fan service moment of, Bobby's mum just basically being like, you know, your dad always believed in you. And that scene is like a fan servicey moment for those people who always were with Bobby. Yeah. It's like you get an emotional payoff after decades of Bobby, you know, this is his big like moment. Like, you know, he's being told like there was always hope for you and you actually followed through on it. And aren't we all proud of you? And I'm like, and me as an audience member, I'm like, yeah, I am proud. Hmm. Yeah, Damn it. Yeah. What we get is earned, but I just meant like, I think I already made the point, really. <laughs> you just really wanted some characters to interact more with others. So, like, with the Audrey thing... It, it just feels like... Underst- we don't understand fully why she's separated off. There is apparently reasonings that I can get into, but they're, like, you, you go, like, why is she so late into the show? Why is she not allowed to interact with anyone else? And then, obviously, like we said, Annie. Yeah. It really does feel like... And Heather Graham, I'm pretty sure, the act- as an actress, she said that she was willing to come back and... Just Annie never came back. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess also the other part that I forgot to mention was like the show is still called Twin Peaks, and mm. obviously the first two seasons you're pretty much at Twin Peaks the whole time. This one jumps out of it, so it's this weird question of like, how do we still call this show Twin Peaks? I guess is the thing. I think it works. I think Twin Peaks is the epicenter point, and yeah, when it eventually comes where everyone culminates at Twin Peaks at the end, it really kind of pays off in mm. that regard. And I think each episode, for the most part, really does come back to characters in Twin Peaks. But I guess it's just that weird thing of like, how do we have a consistent identity when we're doing things so drastically different. Mm, and I think also you've got to evolve the world. Like it was, like I said to Bartek, don't look up Twin Peaks Firewalk with me trivia for the spoiler section because it kind of introduces ideas that are in this. So mm. for instance, portals and entry points into the Black Lodge and other dimensions are not just in Twin Peaks. They're kind of all over the world. Yep. And that's very much explored in this new season. You know, they're everywhere, it seems. Uh, yeah, I think when it comes to negatives for me, I think sometimes the writing is bad. Mm. And I mean that in an, like, I'm not being mean, but sometimes the writing is clunky. And unfortunately, this new iteration doesn't have the crutch of we're basing it on a soap opera like the original two seasons does. So like the original two seasons, as much as I hate characters like James... I understand what James represents as a character in that original run. He's like this type of character from this type of soap opera. But this new season isn't leaning on the soap opera angle anymore. It's leaning on this whole different thing. So when you have hokey writing, and I don't mean like the chipper, like thumbs up apple cherry pie kind of thing. I mean stuff like the British guy, Freddy. That whole entire thing of Freddy and his rubber glove... I think that's just badly written. I don't like it. I didn't like it at the time. I didn't like it on the rewatch. It stood out. 
there's some moments of just poor writing that you go, that could have been better, that could have been a bit polished up, or that could have gone to someone else. But it's like you were saying to me, like, and this ties into what you said, but like, one of your negatives is like, there's just so many characters, it is kind of hard to keep up with who is who, Yeah. what are their names, who are their relationships to these other characters. On the second watch, I will say that actually cleared up a lot more for me. I kind of clicked into like, oh yeah, this connects to this. Yeah. But for you, you also have a hard time with that in movies as well, like when there's lots of characters. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> you have a bit of a face blindness thing. Like each time we've had a movie with the actor Stephen Root, you're like, is that Stephen Root? I'm like, yeah, that's him. Mm. you're like what i've never i don't know who that is i'm like yes you do yeah i like i think i have that in real life as well but i don't have like prosopagnosia or anything like that no you just uh you don't have that strict memory so i, I was watching it going oh Bartek must be suffering yeah if i got the details that's fine but just like looking at faces i don't know just something's going on but it must have been hard for you with this because there's just so many yeah, things you've got to keep track it's of like, oh what organization were these two we these white guys from what organization <laughs> were these guys from oh these are the assassins okay which ones <laughs> oh these are the casino ones yep okay yeah that's jim belushi yeah a lot of a lot of person talks to guy behind desk people yeah there's a lot of that i think another negative for me is there are just points where it does just feel like david lynch and mark frost are arbitrarily giving things to characters that don't matter mm-hmm like woman with rash underneath her armpit who keeps scratching her armpit that character never comes back or asian girl who crawls through the crowd and screams at the end oh you mean she never comes back like are you talking about the cliffhanger diner people yeah a lot of the uh the the uh roadhouse people some of them sorry yeah roadhouse some of them do connect some of them are related to what audrey's about you know, they know where Jimmy is or they know where this is. They do, but like some of them don't. And it's just like you're dedicating scenes to these characters and none of it really matters. And there's a lot of that, unfortunately. And there must yeah. be some reasoning, but on a watch, and, it just doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And that was really good for me who was trying to keep track of characters. <laughs> like, I think that there are just some characters that just don't need to be here and you could just give their stuff that that amount of time you've spent on them and just bolster up some other characters i because actually i love pretty much most of the new characters introduced i loved tim roth and uh um jennifer jason lee as the two, the two assassins, assassins who yeah. love takeaway and all that and how they get done as oh, characters yeah, and one, are really funny and one loves torture but like sometimes she's not in the mood for it oh but they've, they haven't had the chance to do it at late they've been too busy yeah. i like those characters i like these i like the mafia characters i like ike the spike even the little yeah, dwarf yeah. he doesn't even have a character but then there's like so i'm not opposed to new characters and not spending time with old characters like i was fine with the amount of Dr. Jacoby and Nadine and Big Ed and 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 on and so on and so forth. But there was points where I go, do we really need to focus on a girl scratching her rash as a whole scene, and it never really factors into anything profound or meaningful in any particular way? Do we need Freddie? Here's the thing: I've never liked James. Yeah. I've made jokes about James because in this show they have the famous James is always cool. Yeah. And I'm like, James is never cool. I Everyone hates James, I think. Most people don't like James. Like, the best thing James ever did was leave the show in season <laughs> two when he removes himself from the show. In this show, i got to say, 
I was a little bit disappointed how much James didn't get anything to do. The guy came back, the actor came back, and James was a big character in that original show. And they don't have Donna here either. Yeah. Oh, that's another, that's another surprise, yeah. And they don't didn't even bring back the actress who did it in Twin Peaks Firewalk as me. So if Lara Flynn Boyle didn't want to do it, get that actress. But they didn't get her either. But they got the dad. They got the doctor. And her youngest sister. And her youngest sister. And it was like, okay, fine. But here's what I said. Why did Freddy exist as a character? I honestly think, couldn't you have given that honestly? To James? James yeah. Honestly, I when he was first introduced, I thought he was another like cliffhanger one scene character. Where he just talked. But uh, he talked too much exposition y stuff that's like I'm setting up a reason for and it wasn't, what's gonna happen later. And it wasn't at the roadhouse, yeah. And he was talking about the fireman. <laughs> yeah, he Anyone tied it into talking the... about supernatural stuff openly must be important. Hmm. Yeah, the fireman, like you, like I don't like James, but wouldn't it have been neat if you gave James something to do yeah. in this season? Especially when they set it up of, he had a motorcycle accident and he's been quiet ever since. Wouldn't it have been great if he did something? He sang his song, yeah. your favorite thing that you like to make fun of from the original <laughs> show. He sang his little song. Yeah, he did. Here's James Early with his song. Just You, I think it was called. Just you Just and I. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't he get like a larger audience reaction than some of the other bands? Yes, like Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's, there's are the, those are the negatives. Now, I will say this: I, when I first watched it, had a very negative experience watching this show. Yeah, you've told me. <laughs> I was watching it week by week. I had a housemate at the time who was like, Bartek, I had introduced them to Twin Peaks to catch up and then watch the new show. And uh, God bless him. He's a great guy. But he is not a patient viewer, necessarily, of artsy-fartsy bullshit like David Lynch has been accused of and can rightly so be accused of at times. He hated Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. He didn't like any aspect of it. And then this new show comes out and it's basically Twin Peaks Firewalk with me on acid. It's like cranked up to 11. <laughs> Week by week, he would just lose more and more and more of his pa- of patience with it. And that did affect me as a viewer. I, I saw there was lots of things here, but I just couldn't get into it as fully as I wanted to. And I would have debates with him. And mainly, you know, it was like, how long are we going to have to wait for Coop? And I knew after two episodes of him being Dougie, I knew we were going to have him be Dougie the whole time. Like, no ifs and or buts in my brain. But like, you know, people were really upset about that. I thought it was brilliant. Mm. But I'm arguing with my housemate who I live with, and it's like, it's hard to get into it. So this rewatch, and like I said, just watching it in chunks, not waiting week to week, everything smoothed, was smooth and easy for me. Like, I was like, it's one of those things where there is a benefit of rewatching it, because there's something like, oh, you know where this goes, and if you've forgotten, it's kind of like a neat little surprise of like, oh, yeah. And like, I didn't notice this little little detail before that's really paying off on this rewatch so i really got a lot out of it on this rewatch and just watching it with my wife and we both agreed like it flowed better just watching it in one continuous thing where i go like i know it's showtime that it was presented on but wouldn't it have been great if it was like launched like other shows just yeah all it's all finished go ahead get through it just get through it i i, I don't know i think Staring it out does it a bit of a disservice, but that's just what that's you know that's just what it was presented as, and that's fine. But I think I really got a lot out of it, seeing it all progress 
in a faster motion and without a negative impact being put upon me because I enjoyed episode eight when I first watched it, the black and white nightmare world. Got a light. I enjoyed that when I first watched it, but my housemate Mark fucking hated it. Ah, you said his name. Sorry, Mark. He fucking hated it. And I liked the fact that we didn't get Coop till near the end, but he fucking hated it and onward and so on and so forth. And things that I felt were too much felt really small in comparison. Like, to me, it felt like 20 years of watching that guy sweep a floor, but it wasn't. It was really quick. Yeah, like I, I told you that. <laughs> but, like, in your brain, you have to be there at the time, and, like, you're expecting as a viewer, I want to see James, or I want to see Donna, I want to see Audrey. Instead, we're seeing a guy sweep a floor? Mm. We're seeing a guy look at a glass box? Like, where's Audrey? Yeah, but you then, want that satisfaction. But then but... we get to see not Jacques. Not Jacques, Yeah. You want that satisfaction, and you know you're not necessarily going to get it, and if you do, it's not in the way that you want it or expect it necessarily, and sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes that's a bad thing. I think it kind of evens out with this season. Like, it's mm. kind of, sometimes there are some bad things, sometimes there are some good things. Like, as much as I love Shelley and Bobby, I could have done without the daughter plot, because that really went nowhere for me. Like, yeah, I was. I just, thought they'd do more with it. No, and I, I remembered I didn't like it, and I was like, I, "Who is this guy? Oh, he's just a drug addict asshole, and that's it. Like, there's nothing much to him as a character." And then her, we, we introduced uh, him by having Snake tell him off. Yeah, wasn't that neat? Yeah, because one of the things I remembered was like you were wondering if he was in the show. Yeah, because I forgot. Like yeah. there was just so many and, characters, and you were like, "Oh yeah, he was in the background of one scene, and then he has this one scene where he's the center." Yeah, he was the center. I forgot, and yes, yeah, Snake, aka Mike. Mike, Mike, not to be confused with all caps, Mike, who's also was it Gerard or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but we don't really get that character at all, do we? In this, well, no, we get just nothing but we just get one arm backwards speaking. Yeah, uh, so. Let's talk about the big elephant in the room. We've kind of touched on it. Dougie Jones. Dougie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I know I talked to you about it before you watched it, but what did you think about this whole Dougie Jones withholding Coop from us? And there's also like 15 million different versions of the character Car McLaughlin can play. Yeah. Because at the end of it, there's like five different Four versions. Four or five for sure, yeah. Um, I I liked it. Um. But also, I have the, uh, like you always call the character Dougie because that's what the characters all call him. But when when I was watching the show, and this ties into me with the whole no Heather Graham thing, was I was always like cheering for Coop. Yeah. I knew that like this is Coop right here, and he's trapped, and I'm I'm cheering for him to get back to how he was. And there's a lot of things going mm. on where like. He's a character that will only repeat things that he's heard and that, like, builds up his vocabulary. And, and occasionally say things on his own. Yeah. That's uh, from memories. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, there are always, like, key words that he grasps on, like, agent. Like, and it was Sycamore. Sycamore. Uh, he's attached to badges and there's all these little ones like, yeah, you're getting there, Coop, you're getting there. Coffee. Yeah, and, <laughs> and he really loves cherry pies. 
Um, yes, he does. But and, and part of that was like, yeah, get back to normal, and now you can find out what happened to Annie. Yeah, <laughs> and, but you... and obviously they they didn't go with that. But there was still always the thing of like, at least you can get back to how you were. See, I think for myself and a lot of a- and, oh, and it wasn't an impatient thing. It was always no. like a yeah, you're getting there. I thought it flowed very smoothly with that, but I think people just immediately want the thumbs up and the chipper yeah. blowing on his little flute and he's hanging upside down from doors and th- he's speaking into a tape recorder. Like, we want that. Yeah. We I, th- do. I think I think maybe like you, I accepted that that wasn't going to be a thing. <laughs> but also, but unlike you, I wasn't I wasn't thinking that it was going to be most of the season. I was, oh, fi- yeah. I was fine with it, but I thought like, oh, maybe it'll like, I come just around halfway. I had a feeling. Way. I was like, no, it's going to be the whole show. <laughs> I, I call him Dougie as do most fans because it's just, I don't know, just something he's referred to as Dougie Yes, you're right. It is Coop yeah. in a in a sleeping state, but there is just this thing of Carl McLaughlin's such a great performer that he basically embodies a different character as Dougie. Like I was really mm. noticing as an act from an acting perspective, one of the things I really liked was how he would walk. You would see him walk, and you would see in his body he would forget that he had to move his legs sometimes, and then mm. he'd have to readjust and keep moving his legs. Like, he would think, oh, if I move my head forward, that will make me... Just little, little touches of... The way he physically holds his head as Dougie and how stiff it is. Mm. It's so amazing. Like, and this is, like, one of 15 million characters he plays in this season, but Dougie, like, it becomes its own performance, its own little character. Yes, it is Coop in a sleeping state, but just through the performance and through the sheer familiarity of what is based as a character because of everyone's interpretation of Dougie mm. and what Carmen Glockland's bringing, it kind of becomes its own yeah. thing I, I think in of its, its own right. I know, I think of it like Dougie mode. Yeah. yeah, he's in Dougie... Like, I just called him a baby man. Like, he's just that's, a giant that, that's baby. That's Dougie mode. He, he sticks a fork into an electrical <laughs> socket. That's how much of a baby he is. Did you have a favorite doggy thing moment? Because there's so many. Because I love doggy. When it comes to someone that likes doggy, almost all of it is pretty great. I mean, it's all great. And again, just like when we're talking about favorite characters from the first season, I feel like things like hello, hello! are going to be like really easy things. The fact that he makes people basically fall in love with him. <laughs> the guy wants to poison him and he starts to cry. He's like, I'm so sorry, He's- doggy. His meaningless things are interpreted as really poignant, like with the boss, when the boss turned from like being disappointed to, you are like the hero. I think he was one of my favourite new characters. Bushnell. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> he really was great. Um, I guess one minor moment was, and I know this is somewhat of a controversial thing for Naomi Watts' character, when, when they have sex. Yes, when, when she has sex with... When, when she has sex with this half-catatonic man... <laughs> His smile during sex, like, I looked at it and I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen Carl McLaughlin look so young. <laughs> he was really? just so he happy. He regressed, he regressed, yeah. He was so happy. I loved Dougie, and it's so hard to pick a favourite, but I do think any of his office place shenanigans were really great. One I really loved was when he needed to go to the toilet. And he's like holding his genitals, and he's like, yeah. and the woman who's hitting on him <laughs> yeah. while he's doing this, and he's allowed to go to the toilet. And you hear him peeing, and she's like, ah, oh, like she's so like, that's my Dougie. That, like it's so fucking. That's great. another thing about yeah, this whole Dougie saga is <laughs> everyone can see that he's a little different. But they don't. They don't care enough. They don't. They don't see how it's a lot more than a little. Yeah, no one cares enough. <laughs> Everyone thinks that like 
Yeah, it's it's well, it's like in his office place. They either don't care or they think it's some long con play because yeah. the guy who he's oppos the opposition, Tom Sizemore's character, he's like he's different. He called me and he called me a like he's playing it like he's an opposition. Like ooh, he's playing yeah. some long psychological game, and the boss is just like. Oh, you know, I did know he had a car accident a while back, so he's like, uh, sometimes it comes <laughs> yeah. and goes, and 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 no one, yeah, no, it's like no one's saying this guy is clearly catatonic. They're just like, oh, he's a little bit funny. Maybe right they now. did eventually take him to the doctor. The doctor was like, "You're fucking fit," and Naomi was like, "I want to fuck you." <laughs> That's what we got out of that. I think one of my favorites. Uh, so many, there's so many, but I do love. When, uh, if you if you when listening. he has the coffee, when he has the coffee and he doesn't know where the little hole is to sip it out from, and he's like turning the entire cup till he gets to the hole, and it's like he latches onto a nipple of a breast <laughs> and just starts sucking on it like a little baby. Oh, I don't remember that. That's, that's great. That's when he's in the when he first gets coffee for the first oh, time, in, and in he takes lift. it from the other guy. Yeah. And then other guys, like, oh, he doesn't have his coffee. Yeah, have he it. have a green tea, and, and the and guy the, likes the guy green. likes the green tea. <laughs> that guy was apparently the fry cook in the R and R diner in the, the original Twin Peaks. Oh. That actor. So that's a fun little 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 through line. They got him. Not Heather, though. Okay, whatever. <laughs> How is Addie? We'll never know. Is she back as being a nun? We'll never know. Apparently, there's some book that explains. Don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I want Heather Graham. Um, I do, too. Yeah, there's little things like that. But, like, Dougie's... I think you got to appreciate when he does go into full coop mode and detain... Like, get the gun from... Uh, was it uh, Ike the Pike or whatever? Like, I don't... Ike the Spike? I don't think it... Was it Ike? Yeah, he's a little dwarf. Wasn't he arrested before? No, 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 Wasn't no, no. no. It's when he tries to shoot him and he plays his hand and his palm gets melted onto the gun and that's how the police know him. And when they arrest him, he has like a giant bandage on his oh, arm. Oh, right. He gets away. He gets away. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And I loved that. And I loved everyone's reaction. Like, he wasn't even human. Like, Dougie, he just came in and then everyone exaggerating the story. Oh, yeah, Naomi Watts is like being more into the whole action than it really was. Like she was screaming for her husband. You and I have talked off air a lot, but you really do love when he's like, badge, and he starts grabbing it. You were saying about the uh, the security guard. Oh, yeah, the very first time he sees a badge, basically. Yeah. It, yeah, the security guards turn from, like, when he first met him, he's like, no, 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 you, you can't touch the badge. That's not right. Then there's a cut to him <laughs> taking him home, and he's fine with him touching the badge. It's like, no, no, we've, we've bonded. You can touch the badge. <laughs> I did say before, I did love... Um, Jade gives two rides. I bet she does. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just say, for listening people that have seen the season and are not on Team Dougie, we, we're not really that sorry. We're not souls. We, we like Dougie. We like Dougie. My, Dougie mode. My, my brother-in-law was like, so when I said like Twin Peaks season three is a little bit like full on and he was, going, he was going like, yeah, I bet you didn't care for Dougie Jones. I'm like, I oh, fucking dare you. I fucking love Dougie. And he's like, I like Dougie too, but there was just too much of Dougie. I'm like, not enough Dougie. Give me more Dougie. Yeah, what are you talking about, guy? He was only in half an episode, then he dies. Uh, he wore that green suit jacket in like three or four episodes <laughs> and Bartek said to me, no, he just wore it in one. And I'm like, am I crazy? I just remember that green suit jacket so vividly. Yeah, what, what it ended up being was it was... One Four day. episodes over the course of one day. Which is how the show is. Yeah. Because I just remember it like, oh, Catatonic Cooper starts in the suit, then he wears that, then he just screws it and goes back to the suit. And I guess I conflated it to like one episode. Before we get to Mr. C, 
Oh, right, yes, that's a character we haven't mentioned yet. Let's talk about how you felt about when he did get to be Coop in those first few episodes and the last few episodes. How was it to see Carl McLaughlin slip that glove back on? Yeah, it'd been a few weeks for me, so it wasn't as extreme as, you know, other fans of the show. But, um, yeah, at the beginning, I always felt like, yeah, Coop behaves differently when he's in the the Red Room, the Black Mm. Lodge. Um, so that was very much a like, oh yes, yes, yes. He's he's being a bit more like calm and reserved, but that's that's normal for this. I'm still waiting for like you know outside world coop. Yes. And then they had yeah, obviously they had that whole tease of like, oh no no no, he goes from that to Dougie mode. Um, and <laughs> he then stays like that for ages for a very long time <laughs> until like the third last episode. Yeah, I, th- I think it was yeah third it's last episode sixteen. Yeah. Out of eighteen. Yep. And then in episode 18, he's in a kind of differentish well, mode. by the end of episode 17, he's in a fucking different mode. I would argue, once he gets to the station and he meets everyone, and then we have the overlay of Carl McLaughlin's face looking forlornly at his friends, it's like, like, it's like Coop's basically gone by then, because he's like, I've got something else to do. It was great to see you all again, but we, like, pure, concentrated Coop, it feels like we got him for, like, five minutes. Yeah. Like, as yeah. soon as he gets to the station at the end, and he sees all of his friends, and you have that overlay image of Karl McLaughlin's face looking flawnly, it's kind of like, for me, that's where I pinpoint, that's where Coop is kind of disappeared already. Like, I know like technically going, it's not, yeah. but he's already, like, I'm gone. Yeah. He's willing to sacrifice everything. Tell Annie I said hi. Tell Annie I said, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> but it was great to see him again. I loved when he was in the car, and he was like, uh, Harry, get the pot of coffee on. And he's like doing a full coop thing. Like nothing's changed at all. <laughs> he doesn't even have time to hear that it's not even Harry. Like he's like, all right, see you there. Like, yeah. Um, let's talk about our boy, Mr. C. The Cooper doppelganger. The two Cooper him. doppelganger. What did you think about that? Yeah, it was very odd because I you lent me the box set and on the have the image on it is like half is normal coop, half is the doppelganger coop. And at first I was like, I, I don't know who this character is. He looks a little bit like Hawk, but I've seen a picture of Hawk in season three and he's got white hair. And it, white long hair. White long hair. And it it actually took me a while to realise, wait a second, this is the doppelganger. Yeah. Because he's such a different character from the end of season two, where we got just a little bit of him. He was basically being like a, a trickster in A manic, yeah. crazy guy. Manic, crazy trickster in Coop's spot. And now he's this like serious, intimidating guy who, mm. and, and we've talked about this off air, has clearly become his own person. Yeah, scarily so. Mm. One of the things that I wanted to ask you, and I know this might be a null and void question, but at the end of season two, mm-hmm. it wasn't defined necessarily that it was the doppelganger that escaped. It was like, oh, Coop got out, but he's got he's been possessed by Bob. Because we see him look in the mirror, and he's got Bob in him, and then he smacks his head, and he acts all crazy, but he also acts like Coop. And it was like, not everyone was too sure if it was the doppelganger yeah. or if it was Coop. And now we the, and the... have it confirmed in this and also in Fire Walk With Me, where like good Coop stuck in... Which I forgot came back into play in this third season, the diary entry of... Uh, of Annie being like the good Coop stuck in the Black Lodge and he can't get out. I forgot that came back into play in this season where they find her diary entries inside the the door of the toilet stall. Mm. Uh, Yeah, that's a good point. I'm not sure what convinced me that it was a doppelganger at the end of season two. 
it's just maybe we had a conversation or something. I don't know. I think it's just also how he acted because the doppelganger yeah. was very like manic. Yeah, and there and was then you always you always make fun of how's Annie. How's Annie? How's Annie? It's, yeah, it's weird. To an extent, I didn't think of it as making fun. It's just like... But, I, th- I think it's more me making fun of how the show ended rather than the performance. You mean like a yeah. fucking nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just this like... Because, again, I had that whole thing of when I was watching the last episode, you know, I was watching it on my computer so I could see the timeline occasionally. Like, man, this, this show's going to wrap up in half an hour. How are they going to resolve everything? And the answer was that they didn't. So that was get a nice little surprise. Yeah. Get used to well, season three wrapped up. But also not. <laughs> Fuck you. No, that was a joke. It didn't Bartek, wrap up. what year is it? <laughs> well, 2020. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, sorry, we didn't get an answer on the show. Yeah, I loved Mr. C. I think on my rewatch of this, he quickly escalated to being one of my favorite characters that has been newly introduced into the series. And I love this notion that is there of what if Doppelganger, your exact same, but he's the evil version, spent enough time in society, in the real world, and gained his own individuality, his own identity, his own but he's values, still you. Yeah. He's still Coop. On a, oh, yeah, on his base is Coop. And people still call him Coop and like all this. But he's got his own personality. He's not just Coop, but evil. It's like he's like a completely different character. And the visual look of him, like this sun-drenched skin, this long hair, these black eyes, and just his deep voice and everything he says, he says slowly and with precision, with precision, which is the opposite of Coop, where Coop's like fast talking and jiving and I'm going to talk about this thing and he's he's a chatterbox. Yes, he's got a thing to say and he'll say it in full. And that's why it makes it so awkward and confronting when he's pretending to be Coop to people who know Coop and he's like not even close to being Coop. He's very slow and he's very like methodical yeah. and the thumbs up is very meticulous. When he talks to Gordon Cole in the prison. Or when he talks to Diane. <laughs> and and he has that deep voice. And Yeah, it's weird. I I guess I'm not too familiar with Carl McLaughlin, so I always just equate um that Chipper Coop is his Chip normal Coop. voice. And then I look him up afterwards, I'm like, oh, no, I know him from, like, GTA 3 and stuff. I've, I've heard him in a few things, and... He's got a he's got a He's got range. He, a boy has range! Like, at first, when he was talking to Gordon Cole, I thought, like, oh, it's because of the mic, the microphone that they're mm. talking through, that's what's doing it. But no, he, his voice really was Yeah, there are like scenes that. where it's not just through the microphone he does it, too. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Mr. C as a character and his whole journey and how he connects pretty everything in the show is just because of Mr. C taking precautions so he doesn't have to go back. <laughs> yeah. Like the glass box, Dougie. those two gangs, the gang, all the gangsters basically except for the Mitchum brothers. Like <laughs> everyone is involved because of Mr. C just refusing to go back. Yeah, and it's this also weird thing of he in a sense is a, a successor to Leland in the sense that Bob is in him. Te- I guess we'll use the word tethered to him, but he's letting Mr. C be in control. There's even a point where he looks and he's like, his face starts to change and he's like, oh, you're still with me. We were asked that in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, like, how aware is Leland of Bob? And this kind of even muddies that up even a bit more because the literal creature from the Black Lodge isn't even fully aware if Bob's there or not. He has to, like, really connect to make sure he's still there. Because, like, when he's in the prison, he looks in the mirror. He's like, ah, you're still with me after all this time. He, was, he seemed, like, genuinely like, ah, you're still there. Good. Mm. 
Because we know Bob can go around different things and places, but he's like tethered to one mortal being at a time. It seems like he can go yeah. into owls. And... Oh yeah, that was the whole thing of like the the whole plot of Firewalk with me was that he wanted to switch to a different body. He wanted to switch to a different innocent. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. So, like, tell I, I, me more yeah. about your feelings on Mister C, which is only really said like once or twice, but I think it's just what most people just genuinely oh, call th- him in the fandom. I think. I mean, look, from my memory, it's been, you know, two, three weeks since I watched the show. I only really remember them saying Mr. C in the very first scene you see him when where he goes mm. to that, like, Otis guy's house. Yeah. They say it in the diner, too. Mm. Yeah, Mr. C. Yeah, I mean, did you have a favorite Mr. C moment? He had quite a lot of fun. I personally liked when he was like, uh, oh, I'll make a phone call. Who shall I call? Mr. Strawberry? <laughs> and the warden being like shit <laughs> what was the strawberry yeah I remember that we don't scene. know what the strawberry thing oh, is okay. it's just like he has some knowledge it, of whatever the warden's got up to and it's got something to something do with, to a, with straw- a Mr. Strawberry yeah, a Mr. Right. Strawberry and it just makes him nervous like how does he know that oh uh, yeah yeah um I I feel like this is an obvious thing to say but obviously his uh his arm wrestling scene yes <laughs> I love how like I remember that being very intense that scene but I found it hysterical this time around because his whole thing is like starting position because it really hurts when you put it over here. Doesn't it hurt? Like, see? And like, mm. I, I found that hysterical. It's like he's in control, but he's acting like, you know, this, this, this hurts. I wasn't in control. I, I was really hurt when you did this. That's the kind of humor I love. You know this. Hence, one of my favorite comedy movies is The Guest. It reminds me of humor <laughs> from The Guest where it's like, very stern and serious, but what they're saying is very contradictory to that. It's like, this really hurts when you move it over here. And he's like got these dead black eyes looking into him like like he's a predator about to fucking eat him. And it's like, see, don't you feel? And the guy's like sweating and veins are popping out of his head. Yeah. Well, I mean, this also has the added value of he, the person that he's against is an asshole. I mean, he was okay. He wasn't the evilest person. Well, he punched him in the back of the head when they were just going to go, like, arm wrestle. That was a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, we're going to settle this in the way that we do things, but also I'm going to hit you in the back of the head while we're Don't worry, he punched that. him real good, too. Uh, yeah, that was a, like, holy shit moment. It's like, not only did you beat him, but also, boom... I found it very interesting on this rewatch of how really interconnected Mr. C was. And here's something. We discussed on our Mystery Box last month, the film Deception, in which the character Hugh Jackman played had like a 15-step plan. He's playing four-dimensional chess and none of it adds up really or makes sense. Mr. C is playing four-dimensional chess. He's playing multiple plans, different strategies, different contingencies so he doesn't have to go back to this red room because he wants to be free. Which is a very weird thing that they introduce, and I kind of love it. Yeah, there's and, a time limit to how long he's going to be out, and it's just about to run out. And we don't fully understand all of his plans, but what i got to say is, they make sense. Like, he's got these gangsters in his pockets who are going to deal with the Las Vegas situation. He's got this over here who's going to deal with this situation. Like, he's got it really thought and planned out, but he needs those coordinates. He just needs them. What does he need them for? We don't fully get that moment where we find out what he needs the coordinates for. Like, the thing that he's hunting. I think it's just, like, an ability to basically save himself. But I loved it. This is one of those ones where you go, oh, he has a 15 million step plan, but it actually makes sense for this guy. This guy's had 25 years to get his shit together. Mm. Amazing. Amazing shit like that. Or, like, um, 
little things like that I really like, like little interconnecting things like uh, those two gangsters that like the one that's always at the laptop who always gets phone calls from Mr. C where he's like, you're going to deal with that Las Vegas situation. So they sent, you know, Ike the spike or whatever to go deal with it. They fuck up and he's like, you got a day left. You said I had two. You have one. And then eventually he sends those two other, the, the Tim Roth character and Jennifer Jason Lee to kill those guys because they fucked up. Mm. <laughs> it's amazing because you're watching that scene going, okay, these two gangster guys, they're going to get their shit together and get it done. And then they immediately get killed. And one of them like doesn't die, so she has to come back. It's like, <sighs> <sighs> yeah. And like all these little things are really fun and interconnected. And I like this idea too that even a doppelganger can doppelgang himself. Because that's what Dougie must be, right? Well, the, He's manufactured because... Yeah, they, they have a, they have a the second... The original, the OG Dougie. Yeah, they have a second type of copy. So they got doppelgangers, now they have tulpas. Yes. Which is a thing that I've heard of in the past few years, but I've forgotten what it means in the general pop yeah, culture. Yeah, I've forgotten off the top it's of my It's some head. sort of like alternate personality that you have, but it's not like split personality, but sort of is. And the, uh, Dougie must have been a Mr. C one, right? Just like, because... It seems like Mr. C made him. At least that's what I interpret. What, I feel like he was I... made because when he comes, when Dougie comes, the original OG Dougie comes to the Red Room, the one-armed man looks surprised because he thought he was going to get Mr. C. From and my... then he was like, you were manufactured. Yeah, the thing was, I think it was that um, there was a time limit on how long Coop was going to be in the Red Room and how long Mr. C was going to be out in the real world. And when that time's up, they're going to switch places. Yes. But, but Dougie, the Tulpa switched places instead but mr c still had that thing where he vomited yeah because he was still he wasn't in the coordinate zones of full-on safety it feels like i think because he was rushing to get to an area and he didn't fully make it and again with the whole thing of like oh he had a plan that was really detailed from 25 years in 1997 which would have been like five or six years into his time on on the in the real world he created dougie to eventually take his place when he's sent back and then he also has the little glass box to capture coop in when he eventually arrives which doesn't work it just fails miserably like when coop falls in the glass box and then he falls inside of it and then he hovers about and then he's like ripped it from it and goes to like the thing in space yeah and clearly not only did the the, the whole tulpa switcheroo thing work but it also made coop I guess catatonic, I, I'm, which I think I'm was a side effect because yeah. I don't think anyone expected that. So, well, um, I th- yeah, I think his plan would have just been to keep Coop in the Black Lodge. Then, yeah, no, no, I think no, I think he was going to if he captured Coop, he was just going to kill him. Oh no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, switch Coop and the Tulpa around, then kill Coop. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that's of course. That's, that's what what, what am I gonna, talking? What about? are you talking about? This is a fifteen-step plan. <laughs> This is 4D chess. All right, all right I'm going to address listening to people. Listening to people, I am so sorry that I got a detail wrong in Twin Peaks. It's such a simple show, and I could have just, <laughs> you know, thought about it for a second. You fucking idiot. You've got to apologize again for your foolish mistakes. Listening to people, I'm so sorry. You know, this is a very simple show, and I'm so sorry that I made a mistake about Twin Peaks. Yes, uh, that's good. That's good. You, once more for luck. <laughs> listening to people, I am so sorry. It's such a simple show, and I, you know, it was on me to, you know, get it right, but. I don't know. I'm feeling embarrassed. Twin Peaks is so simple and I made a mistake. So one thing we've got to discuss with Mr. C is they do establish that he is a rapist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very serious element, but it's not unusual for Twin Peaks. Uh, raped the original Diane. And then I don't know. Did he replace her with a tulpa? I don't know. She She's not the blonde. Real. The blonde Diane was a tulpa. But she has the memories of Diane Diane. Yeah. 
that whole thing's a little bit confusing to me. The full Diane stuff is a little bit confusing. I guess, but... I, I guess the thing with with the Dougie Tulpa was that he wanted Dougie to not be well known, so he yeah. didn't make him coop. But Diane was replacing Diane, who is well known. Yeah, so... as a as a secret double agent. Yeah. Um, which was amazing. I remember yeah. when I watched it, I was blown away. I'm like, whoa, what? Yeah, I was surprised too. Even, even with the whole thing of she was communicating with Mr. C, the Tulpa reveal, I was like, oh shit, I wasn't expecting yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess Tulpas have to follow the orders of who makes them, which is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dougie. I'm just thinking about the original Dougie. How his orders must be act like a piece of garbage. <laughs> Make sure that you get into death scenarios a lot so that when Coop arrives, he might get killed by accident. By happenstance. But uh, one thing I was going to say was, how did you feel about the reveal that Richard Horn, who is the do- uh, the son sorry, of Audrey Horn, mm. is a byproduct of, 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 of sexual abuse, rape most likely, of Evil Coop and Audrey Horn? Because we do get the tidbit of, like, from, from uh, Dr. Hayward, like, last time he saw him, he was coming out of the intensive care unit where she was. And then, oh, she's pregnant now. Yeah, yeah. So everyone that doesn't remember, at the end of season two, Audrey was doing like an activist thing at the bank. She gets exploded. And she was right near the explosion that kills Pete and... Banker. And his brother-in-law. Yes. And the banker. And the poor banker. uh, Mel Dell? The most important character. Yes. I want a two by four. <laughs> is a dollar still worth what it used to be? <laughs> um. So how did you feel about that reveal? And how did you feel about Richard Horn as a character? How long did it take you to realize he was a character, like he, who he was? Because it is said in the credits when he first appears that he's Richard Horn, but whether you figure that out or not. But like, did, how did you feel about the whole Richard Horn I, I did thing? see that he was a Horn. Um, and yeah, I, I quickly did work out he was... Audrey's son somehow mm. uh, but the way he held his cigarette <laughs> no when he danced uh, Richard's dance uh, yeah he this is another case of like he doesn't well he does interact with a horn at some point but uh, you would have expected yeah that you'd see him a bit more with his family just to establish like yes. who he is instead it's established separate from his family but very solidified when he mm. meets his grandmother and by extension uncle Johnny Johnny how you doing Johnny <laughs> Was that the line? I can't remember. It's, it was said multiple times. How it was said consistently every specific amount of seconds, but hello, Johnny. How are you doing? Hey, hello, Johnny. How are you today? That's hello, it. Johnny. How are you today? That was <laughs> manic as hell. <laughs> that, that scene is probably one of the more intense scenes. It's like oh, fucking for sure. brutal. So sad. For sure. Uh, d- d- Who knew represent- Johnny would be such an integral character to a very intense scene, huh? Man, you feel so sorry for him. In terms of representations of domestic abuse, that scene is unapologetic. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, he's um a very effective hate sink character, I guess we'll say. I wish that he had more Richard yeah. Horn. I think that he's just like again, there are characters that I go, remove them, amp up this character. Like I don't need the drug addled husband Stephen for Shelley's daughter. Just have Richard be propped up like they had him have this scene where he's the one who's getting the drugs into twin peaks hence at the beginning you know bobby is like oh i can't find them like more kids ODing and dying mm. they introduced that but they never flesh that out enough and they have the magician drug dealer guy and he's really there just to let you know he's dating shelly but nothing comes from him that's either. all i remember and of him yeah 
I wish that maybe you bolstered those two things up and maybe give Richard more of a prominence as a local thug, because by the end of it, he is just really pathetic, which I, I do appreciate. I think it actually adds that he is just so pathetic and he dies like a chump. Mm. But I kind of wish that you had more there, because what he is is really effectively terrifying. He is a product of a sexual abuse and also a byproduct of a fucking demon creature from a different dimension and he's obviously going to be evil in some way and there's this whole question of like is he genuinely evil because of that or is it because he never had any parental figures in his life yeah i was gonna lead to that that was one of the really good scenes with ben horn where he has that little monologue about his father and the bike yeah yeah and also, yeah, just that whole element of, like, this is the son of likeable character Audrey Horn. Yeah, who we don't get to see for a very long time. But we get to see Ben first, and he runs over a kid, which that scene is heartbreaking. Richard. Oh, sorry, Richard, sorry. Richard gets to run over a kid, and that scene's heartbreaking. Yeah. That was fucking brutal. Yeah, it, w- it was just very quick, too. Everything's really brutal in a good way in this show. I don't think there was any brutal moments that felt like uh taboo like in a like well they they went too far for that i was anything for you that you felt like maybe they pushed the pushed it over the line if i had to point at anything it would probably be the the sylvia horn scene but again i think that that was i think it was effectively brutal just unapologetically and it's weird because that scene he richard doesn't actually physically do anything in the scene he just storms in and just is threatening everyone and he just pushes her and that's it like he doesn't beat her to shreds or anything like he just comes in and he's like i'm taking this fucking money piss off and then you know johnny falls over like even that scene it's what is implied more yeah like, this like is he could got, hurt them. and this has gone on before because yeah. she's immediately like get away don't you come in here yeah he's like hi grandma i'm just here to visit or whatever and he's fucking insane i Let's calls her a cunt and everything. Let's yeah. call. Let's talk about Ben Horn just for a moment. One of the things I mentioned before about Ben that I loved as a character in the second season is this idea of can a character like Ben Horn actually be redeemed in any logical fashion? Mm-hmm. And was his journey to redemption an honest one or a dishonest one? And you know, I I was wondering that when watching it the first time this third season and I wasn't too sure you know there was elements I've forgotten about Ben because he's just sitting in his office for the most part and I will say as cool as his new office is like it does match I do miss the old Ben Horn office it was my favorite set Mm. in Twin Peaks like I loved his office like I loved that you had to walk down into like this pit that he was in. I just loved his office. It was one of my favorite, if not my favorite sets. Like, I love the Red Room and all that. That's cool. But you don't get that one often. You only get that here and there. And the simplicity of the Red Room is what makes it. But Ben Horn's office was always my favorite set. I always loved that set. David Lynch is listening to this like, oh, you like fan service, huh? Yeah, so fuck <laughs> you. We'll see the Twin Peaks Sheriff office, but fuck <laughs> you. Uh, Sheriff Department and... Uh, More of it than ever. Do not... Do, do not knock the little sign that they <laughs> stick on the door. That was cute. But, uh... Ben Horn was always a character that I was always... Like, he was one of the characters that I was a bit bummed that we didn't get a third season to see where that character would have gone because he he was the villain of of the town. Pretty much, yeah. Like, the non-supernatural villain. Like, even people like Leo and Hank Jennings... It all ties back to Ben. Ben was the lead guy. So there's this question to ask, can a guy like Ben Horn 
seek redemption in a realistic way? Can he use this evil prophet that he's made for good as well as genuinely connecting with mm. people? And unfortunately, that got cut short and there was all this ambiguity of like, he's doing this thing to fuck over this person, but also he's genuinely wanting to connect with his family. And then we get this third season. And you know what? I think he is a good guy. I think, you know, by the end of this, I think, you know, he did redeem, but in a realistic fashion. Because in the second season, he's going overboard. Mm. He's really being like, I'm a champion of people. In this, he still has that little Ben Horn sleaze. Like, him and uh, that woman. His new secretary. Their relationship is a little bit bordering on old Ben Horn being a sleaze dog. But then he, he goes, no, no, I can't. I can't. And I thought originally, it's because he's married. But he's not married anymore. Because the way he talks to Sylvia on the phone, even though he has his ring still on. Hmm. It seems like they're divorced. Or separated, at Separated. Least, She's yeah. like, I'm going to talk to my lawyer. He's like, whatever. But, like, he still has those little Ben Hornisms. Like, he asks about Johnny and the money, not her. Like, he's still a selfish guy. But he does seem like a genuinely good dude. Hmm. Like, paying for that woman's treatments and the surgery, even though he's like, I can't remember what her last name is. But, you know, like... yeah. And, you know, he still seems like Ben Horn, but at a logical progression of if he was actually a, became a good person. Like, he's still going to have those shitty, self-centered tendencies. But I was genuinely satisfied on this rewatch. And I'm like, me being an optimist, I'm like, I think he is a good guy. I think I he think, turned out to be a good guy. Yeah, I think even in season two, he already made the change. Yeah, but it's that thing of how uh, uh, genuine yeah. and how would it, if it played out... How would it have lasted? I like, just think the last few interactions he has with Audrey, where he's like, you know, really serious about like you and know, Donna. heart to heart and Donna. Like, I know he finishes off getting like punched, but like, yeah, I just, I just think that in the last part of season two, even though he did have an ulterior dicking over like plan mm. for Catherine, I think he did was genuinely reforming, and I feel like. Even when we first see him in this, he is still working. He's a bit serious. We're not getting much of him. But I feel like he's already had his, you know, arc of redemption one during little, 25 years. One little character thing I would have loved. It would have just pleased me and nobody else. I would have loved on his desk. He had a little bowl of carrots. I would have loved that. <laughs> it would have made my day. I would have cheered to the skies if you had a little bowl of chopped up carrots or like little carrots. I would have fucking laughed my ass off and I would have been so happy. But we didn't get that. But instead, David Lynch's like, oh, fan service. Huh? Fan service. Uh, get real. <laughs> <laughs> get real. By the way, order some donuts and coffee for the characters. <laughs> <laughs> Except for you, Chad. <laughs> Chad. Fucking Chad. He was a Chad, wasn't he? Mm. Um, yeah, Ben Horn, I loved him. I loved his whole dad bike speech. It really humanized him. Like, these are the things I love. Like, I think all the old characters, for the most part, did get their little moments. Like, even the Audrey stuff. Let's talk about Audrey a bit more, because mm-hmm. we're on the Horn conversation. Not a fan, huh? We're a bit horny. Uh, honestly, I, I liked what they did, but it just, there was a lot more potential, like... And it feels again. It feels like there's a logical thing of like you would have her interact with these characters, surely. But did you understand what was going on with her? What was what was the name of the guy she was? Charlie. 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 Was, Char- was, was that the missing guy or her husband? No, that was. Uh, was her husband? It was Charlie? her husband and Billy. 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 Not Jimmy, I yeah. fucking love Billy. Yeah, did... I fucking hate you, Charlie. She was still very aggressive, Audrey Horn, but it was something weird about seeing such a powerful individual being so unsure and subservient to this little weasel guy that yeah. we don't know. But at the same time, you go... I know this sounds odd, but like he was 
being fair, but also no, he wasn't. Like yeah. there is this weird thing, but since we don't know what's going on, honestly, I do think it was good. Yeah, it's just that whole thing of like, oh, you brought her in so late, and it's kind of confusing what the whole deal is. I don't know what the deal is. I think yeah. there's something there that is just beyond me a little. Like I don't know. Like we end with her waking up in this white room with, like, a little mirror straight to her face, and she's, like, in a surgical, like, you know, medical gown outfit, and she's like, ah, and that's it. It makes you go, oh, is she still... Where is she? Like, where's the real Audrey? Like, is that the real... Like, I don't know. Like, is she still in a coma? Is she still... Is she trapped in some kind of Dougie state? Because a lot of people think she's she's in a similar Dougie state, where, yeah, you got Audrey things, but, like, she's in, like, this fugue state of like things that we know of her but not really but that's what people because a lot of people yeah, like, like there's is, a lot of similarities between yeah. their two stories but it's uh, i don't is think her, there's enough is her husband a supernatural entity keeping her away from this familiar location mm, there was or, a thing yeah. that people pointed out because I, I looked it up the other day because i was a bit curious there was something someone pointed out of like in season two hawk has this whole conversation about like uh, native american beliefs or whatever and like when you go soul searching and you go through the like the the spirit world or whatever whatever and you meet your your like opposing force on the breach mm-hmm. and in a scene charlie is standing there going you want to go or you're just going to chat me to death on 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 this the breach and it's like is that oh, connecting okay. but i i personally think the audrey stuff does unfortunately fall flat because there's just I don't know. I don't know. I don't fully understand the point of it, and I don't think it matters too much to the story. And in all honesty, I, as much I loved Audrey as a character, but I don't know. I feel like, did we need her in this season? Mm. And I don't think the answer is yes, unfortunately. Like, I would have liked to see her. I, I would have liked to have known how she let someone like Richard be that way. Because I don't think she would. But then that is the state of where is Audrey? Because no one ever references Audrey. Like, no one says her name, really. Mm. She's in her own little thing. Like, you never hear Ben going, oh, Audrey. He's like, he never had a dad. He had a mum, but by the sounds of it, right? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So, it's unfortunate. Um, any other thingies you want to talk about? Characters or moments or questions? There's so much to cover. There was a character that was on the tip of my head right when you were talking about Audrey, but now it's just slipped. Oh, tip God. It was, it was someone big, too. Someone that we've ob- like obviously missed. I mean, this we we'll get to the FBI people soon because you know, there's a lot to say about Albert. I think Naomi uh, Watts, Diane, Naomi Watts. Who was I thinking of? Jesus. There's Bobby, Shelley, Hawk. Oh, Andy. Yeah, Lucy and Andy. I think were the ones that I was thinking of. Yeah, they were always your like. You've always said you had favorites, but I was always secretly thinking. But secretly, his favorites are Andy and Lucy. It's a good duo. <laughs> like, like secretly, it's always Andy and Lucy. I don't know, but I, I do like them for sure. <laughs> they are very much. They're characters that I could see you making in your own, like you know, like your own show or whatever. <laughs> I could see you making those characters and/or playing like Andy. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I guess they are a familiar world to me. <laughs> was it great that they haven't changed? I d- it was a very refreshing thing. I like their little argument or disagreement about the like couches. the couch. It was so cute. And then 
How did you feel about how Andy got to have a whole scene in the bizarro different yeah, world? Yeah, he got a he got to talk to a black lunch thing. That was He didn't even say anything. He, well, yeah, he, he got to interact. That was amazing. I was so happy for him yeah. cuz Andy's always been like near supernatural things but never got to really fully Yeah, I um, jump in. I did watch um in preparation for our Fire Walk with Me episode. I like went on YouTube to see like anyone who's discussing it so I could have, you know, a bit more to think about and I got up to uh, there was the Red Letter Media video where mm. they talked about it, and they even had that line where they're like, no one is what they seem except for Andy. Yeah, Andy's exactly so, what he seems. So when I watched the revival season and he got that scene, I'm like, oh, wow, they've, they're giving him something. He's he's putting, he's putting getting put into that world. And then because of that, he becomes a hero at the end. Like, he's getting them out of the station, you know, he handcuffs Chad. Like, he becomes like a hero. And then he, you know, helps Coop get to the real like the evil coop and he's like gung-ho a cop yeah and then you know lucy she doesn't understand how mobile phones work that was a great game (laughs) (laughs) she falls over but then by the end she's like i understand how they work now after having shot the evil coop in the head after being the one to kill the main antagonist how did you feel sort of how did you feel well yeah freddy got to do it yeah, Freddy got to punch Bobby. Uh, Bob, sorry, Bob, no, not Bobby. Not Bobby. Bobby got to be there, though. Yeah. Um, How did you feel about Mr. C and Coop never getting to meet each other fully? Like, technically, it's, Coop finishes him off because he puts the ring on him, but, like... it's Yeah, it's funny that the one interaction they have is the only one we've seen already, the season two. Yeah. In the, in the Black Lodge. I was... You know what? Initially, I wasn't fine with it. I was a bit like, oh, I really want to see these two characters bounce off of each other. But you know what? I loved it. I don't. I think it was great. I think we didn't need it. I don't think we needed it. But it would have been interesting. But I, I don't know. I was fine with them not interacting. I guess there is also that element of like, if he was just a little quicker. If he was, yeah, that's the thing. It's always oh, if, if were, only uh, T. Bagarelli could have, con- you know, convinced the driver to drive faster. Yeah, yeah, but he was a good driver. He mm. ain't gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. C is uh, done and dusted with. Uh, let's talk about your favorite, the FBI. Um, the FBI. The FBI. Gordon Cole. Who knew he would become a character, right? Like, he's kind of like the main character of the show for a good portion Whenever of it. Like, he has a lot of shit to when do. When it cuts to the FBI plot of the show, because this is a show that has, like, multiple plots going on. He is kind of, yeah, he's in charge. Like, obviously he's the director, but, like, as a character, too. Yeah, and you're thinking it would be Albert, right? Because Albert's the more straight-laced one. He's a character we know more as well from the original show. Yeah. And even the movie, because he was in the movie, too. We didn't even mention in our episode on that how great that line was where he's asking Coop to describe the girl that's going to be murdered. And he's like, that's just, that's basically every girl in the in the country. <laughs> yeah. Um, Blonde high school girl who's into drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was surprised to see Gordon get a character. And I, I'll be honest, there was a little bit, even on the rewatch, of a mystification gone. Because I did love Gordon Cole as this one-off character who would come in every now and then and add a zaniness. Yeah. So seeing him and seeing him full on, it did lower that mysticism of like this fun, goofy character. Like, you know, like in Blackadder, if we got more of Lord Flashheart, like... Mm. 
But there was something to be said about how interesting it is to get a character like that and make him a serious investigator yeah, and I remember. see him play around with his hearing in a more genuine way. At first, in the first, in the other iterations, it's a gag. Yeah. That's what it's there for. It's, it's, it's to make you laugh. But in this, I really loved how they played around with it in a genuinely interesting manner. That moment where, where he was talking to Albert and like he, the gravel he cranked thing, it all up. Yeah. His reaction to that and his explanation of why, like, yeah, that is like... Nice in my brain knives in my brain like I there was something really powerful in that like three second sequence I feel yeah and like this character is different now and there's something to be said about uh, David Lynch as an actor you know he's he's not the greatest actor he can only play David Lynch roles <laughs> uh, he can only be David Lynch he has his David Lynch isms like saying hey there champ he always says champ in everything I've seen him in and then sometimes he says champ that's short for champion uh, and stuff like that. Uh, he still had he still had a lot of good lines in this. I remember when they were when they were talking about M- Mount Rushmore, how he wouldn't be able to see it. Uh, I remember I, I can't remember what the exact word was, but Albert said something that rhymed with Cossack or something. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "We're in South Dakota, not Russia." <laughs> that one really got me. I personally loved how we got to explore that Gordon Cole is a sleazy old man who has a preference for the types of women he likes, hence Agent Tammy is even there in the fucking first place. Like, they want to play, like, he wants to play like, no, she's a genuinely talented agent, but then the more we see and hear of Gordon, the types of women he likes, and, like, he grooms them, which is very disturbing, but it's just kind of casually, like, that's who he is. Like, And then you have the ultimate bit of that where he couldn't shoot Diane, and he's like, I'm getting soft and you know, like he's like I couldn't shoot her. and then Albert says you're getting soft in your old age. What was that? You're getting soft in your old age. <laughs> Not where it counts. <laughs> 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 I think it was great. Like this is the thing like all these characters in this show. This is a show in which we meet these characters 25 years down the line and some characters have naturally matured and some have stayed the same. And I don't think any of them don't feel right. I think they all feel right. Mm. Gordon Cole feels right. Denise feels right. Albert. Albert is great. He's still surly, but he's less petulant than he was in those first two seasons. Like, in the first two seasons, he was way more bratty. Mm. In this, he's a lot more of a mature kind of, like, anger that is still, like, insensitive but like it's like he's honed his style now mm. like every time he has like a zinger one liner and, gets... <laughs> and then Gordon up to the door and goes my apologies for Albert apologies in, in bit... advance apologies in... yeah my apologies in advance he's in a bit of a mood there's also that funny thing of like in advance it's already happened it's already happened <laughs> yeah um I feel like yeah if he gets if he gets punched again I think he'll react with a bit more grace maybe, maybe. Not, not try and sue them <laughs> He he wouldn't try to sue them, but he'd he'd have words more words to say about Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> Gandhi, I love you, <laughs> Sheriff Truman. Yeah, I thought the FBI people were good. I don't know. Tammy was fine. I don't know. Again, she wasn't a character that I fell in love with. Like I maybe found it a bit distracting sometimes. You're in it, and sometimes you're not. With Twin Peaks and David Lynch, he likes very stylized things that includes performances, and I found it a little distracting about. I don't want to, I don't know how to say this, but like, she swayed her hips very much. Like, the way she walked was very, like, specific. 
Mm. It was like she's a model or something, and this is how she walks. Like she doesn't walk like a like you would expect an FBI agent who's a woman even to walk. She has like this real hip swaying, very feminine, and she's got like the pencil skirt and and the heels that are like this tall. Like it's a very specific style that he's going for. And I did find it a little distracting with Agent Tammy, even though I think her character has a lot of merit on paper, and I'm not even saying the performance is bad. Sometimes it's a little weak, like that scene with Matthew Lillard, mm. where she's interrogating her. I felt like she wasn't as strong enough in that scene. In other scenes, she is. So maybe it was just like the takes that they went with. I that. guess then they also had that thing of like, uh, the Blue Rose cases was this, and we haven't had a new member in all this time, but we feel that you are, you know, worthy of it. Yeah, we didn't want to get Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> Fuck him. We didn't want him. He was a he's dork. T- he's too big. He's too He's too much of a 24 agent. 24 is in the universe of Twin Peaks. That was actually Sam. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I, I, I should have known. Yeah, I haven't seen 24, so if that doesn't fit, Fuck you. If they're the same brand of cigarettes, and that means it's the same universe. Fuck you and fuck Gene Kelly. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that line. <laughs> fuck Gene Kelly. <laughs> fuck Gene Kelly, you motherfucker. <laughs> that was so great when he's walking out of the raid. Um, I'm, there's so many other characters to talk about. Yeah, but you, you just, just brought up Matthew Lillard. <laughs> Matthew Lillard, he was fine. You know, it was very yeah. funny. There was just, you know, to talk about more of the universe and stuff and the, the, the finale of it all, I guess, is... Were you satisfied at the end of this show? Um, I know it's a tough in question. Ter- <laughs> in terms of uh, putting aside satisfaction, happy or sad, there was an element of like when the ending, I'm like, ah, David Lynch, you did this. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was amusing that, that that happened, and I am curious to see if he will follow up on it. But uh, I... I don't think I'm as gutted as a lot of people would be. No, I wasn't gutted Because I, I feel like, you know, with the way season one ended, the way season two ended, and the way season three ended, there's this very build-up of, like, levels of cliffhanger. So at first it's like, who shot Coop? Then it's... How's Annie? Oh, oh my god, how's Annie? And now it's... What year is it? You've set up a whole new plot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about those final two episodes because mm-hmm. those are the big boy episodes. Those is where you put yes, on your big this boy is, pants. This is <laughs> this to, is galaxy brain time. This is for people that haven't seen it or can't remember. This is a show where some people can will will try to justify finish off at the second last episode because it's conclusive. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's the more emotionally resonant conclusion is what some people would say too because mm. you're so happy that. Oh, Jim Belushi's there, and the girls are there. They all have finger food, and it's like, oh, they beat the bad guy. They literally beat him. (laughs) Yeah, with a glove. And then the last episode is like, here we are driving in this black void silently without saying a single word to each other. My name's Richard? Who's Linda? (laughs) What? There's no more Dougie mode, but now there's, like, I guess, Richard mode. (laughs) There's no more Coop mode. (laughs) I completely... Again, this is a show where like a lot of vague things are said and you have to keep them in mind because they'll play mm. up later. And I completely forgot about at the beginning when the fireman or, or the guy that's played the by the giant, who apparently, apparently they're different characters, um, he <laughs> mentions, like, remember the names Richard and Linda and remember these numbers. Yes. As the show went on, I forgot about that. <laughs> so when Richard and Linda were brought back at the end, I'm like, what? 
And then when I was reading up about the show, I'm like, oh, right, he did mention Richard and Linda yep, at did. the beginning. And it's a setup for the last episode that people apparently should skip. Yeah, people are odd. I don't see, I don't believe in skipping episodes. No, nor Even you. for shows that I think you can do that with. Even, like, I watch every Star Trek episode, no yeah. matter what. Okay, and the half the season's worth of Star Trek episodes are crap, and you could skip them if they, especially if they include Wesley Crusher. But I sit there and watch them and just go, ah. You know, it's not for, great, but I'll watch for it. For people that know Naruto, I watched every filler. Every, and that's that's like the whole show. <laughs> Ryan, literally there's a part where there's 83 episodes in a row of filler. That adds <laughs> absolutely nothing. People wonder why I don't like anime <laughs> sometimes. Um, those last two episodes are great and fucking weird. How did you think... Okay, we'll talk about this in this ties in. What did you think of the implementation of special effects? Because I know that a lot of people make fun of it because it's very fake. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this, but to put it on record, uh, yeah, I do think that the fact that they're not perfect adds to the whole, you know, mystique. Yeah, I think for myself, there's such a level of artifice there that it adds to the chaotic craziness of it all. It's all unreal anyway, yeah. It's all unreal, it's all surreal and nonsensical, but I think sometimes it would be neat if the special effect looked a little better. Mm. Just, a, just a tad. I mean, I like how we brushed over episode 8. Like, it was good, we liked it, moving on. Like, that's the one most people would say, that's the episode you want to discuss, but like... Dude, there's so much, we haven't even talked about David Bowie or anything, yeah. The bow, who's a giant kettle, <laughs> who can make you travel backwards in time, and he's not... David Lynch, as Gordon Cole says, he's like, he doesn't exist anymore. Well, not in the conventional sense. <laughs> which I don't know how he knows that. But um, those last two episodes, there's something, you know, there's something magical about all of it coming back to where it all takes place, Twin Peaks, but specifically the sheriff's department and just all those characters culminating. And there's that weird drunk guy that's in the... In oh, the, the guy that keeps repeating everything he hears. Yeah, and I don't know. To what Chad's he, chagrin. I don't know what he's about, but he was very disturbing. I found him gross. And when he started picking at whatever the fuck's on his face... Yeah, some I, sort of bandage, but it was I, so dark it looked like he was peeling off his skin. It was gross. Yeah. Um, Very gross. This show was very gross. A lot grosser than the original Twin Peaks, I would say. I know we're wrapping up, and now I'm just thinking of all these things we haven't even mentioned, like the the, the mouthless woman, or the eyeless woman. Oh, there's so much. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, and like the weird dropped frames and shit. Have we even mentioned the name Jim Belushi? Yeah, we have. I said Jim. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's a Mitchum brother. Yeah. (laughs) He had a dream about a cherry pie in a box. Uh... That was my favorite episode, by the way. That that one where they team up and be happy, and then you have Mr. Jackpots. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And she thanks him, and then the guys at the piano playing it, and Coop looks like he's about to cry at the beauty of it all. <laughs> it was great. But I think we, yeah, everything in the Dougie arc, I think, was Dougie pretty, good. Pretty good. Dougie, good boy. Good boy. So Dougie when mode. they get to the thing. I will say, as much as I love the second last episode, I think it just falls a little flat for me because Freddy saves it saves the day and he's not a character we know or have any emotional investment in and i don't want to blame the actor but i don't think the performance was that strong and his writing was very he's english he says oh i went out on the cobbles he's from london town he's from old london town and like i didn't care for that character and i I think him being the deus ex machina at the end that destroys the evil force that's been at the center of this whole entire series Mm. 
is boring and dull and I don't care about that. Like, I care about everyone else in that room, mm. but I do not give a shit about Freddy. Oh, confirmed Ryan likes Frank Truman. He at least did something. Yeah. <laughs> like, he at least had the gumption to answer the phone. But, like, <laughs> I didn't, but like, I didn't care about Freddy. Mm. He just... He's the biggest thing I dislike because each time, I, like, I've only watched it twice, but, like, both times he sticks out to me as, like, this instrument of the plot. Mm. He's not a character. He's not real. Like, he, I know they're not real. They're fake. But, like, they're all characters. But he feels like just an instrument that needs to be there so that you can have this plot lineup. Device, yeah. He's the weapon that takes down the bad guy that we've known f- from the beginning. I would have been fine with that, even, if it was at least a character. Not even one that we've known before, but one that we got to know during the show. Like, by the end of it, I felt like I knew the Mitchum brothers. Mm, for sure. I felt like I knew Naomi, uh, Janie E. I felt like I knew Sonny Jim, even. I felt like I knew his boss. I felt like I knew all these separate little characters, but that Freddy? Who the fuck's Freddy? I don't know. He's just some English guy who has a whole monologue to explain who he is, and I don't care because yeah. it's very forced. Even though he, I know that he was, he appeared very early, early on, but we didn't really know anything about him until the scene with James where he talked about the, you know, he met the fireman. Well, it was James's birthday, you see. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's why he explained it. Uh, one thing I want to brag about, Bartek, is I know you probably didn't reference this in your brain, but we had a little debate on the Fire Walk With Me episode about how angsty James was because he had to wait for the light to go red to speed through it on his motorcycle. Yeah, and and I then got, he played I the clip again, and he, I you got see to have exactly, a, yeah. and you were like, I don't think he was paying attention to it in the clip that they show. It was very, it was very, very obvious. And I was like, yeah. I fucking knew it. There you go. Well, no, Ryan, you're that, And I was like, that's just James. Well, hold on, Ryan. I have a counter to that. It was in black and white, so it wasn't a red light. Yeah, no, it was, was grey. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, it was like bright white. Bright white, grey, yeah. Um, I just... I want to like this episode more because it's like the culmination of all these things. And I can see why people would say, end it here because, you know, in a figurative sense, it is the, all these plot threads are tied up in this little bow and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Not all of them, but... Yeah, Bob's you know. killed, Laura's saved. Yeah. And that's it. But I I think a little part of me is just like, I, I'm not satisfied by it because the Freddy thing feels so forced. So and that's like the big pivotal thing of like, watch this guy punch the bad guy into hell. And he deteriorates and... Bad guy in bowl form. In a bowl form, which is fine. The actor died. You know, you can't get him back. That's fine. But, like... And that that was tastefully done, I thought. I thought they did a good job of implementing Bob in Little Bits and Bobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, again, yeah, there was that whole thing of, like, Bob and the Cooper doppelganger were in the same body, but, like, since they were kind of tight, Bob let him take yeah. over. Yeah. I liked how we got an origin story of Bob being born from a nuclear explosion and that white creature that ripped those kids' heads off at the glass box just spewed him out. I love the idea that this evil form was just literally vomit. <laughs> um... That second last episode's really good. It's great to see all the characters, but I wouldn't find it as a personally satisfying conclusion. Thinking back on it, it does feel... I mean... It does feel a bit, yeah, convenient that a bunch of good things just happened all in one. I mean, it feels good. I think they worked it really well because there is that level of, like, everything's set up like a like dominoes. Yeah. Uh, it all falls into place. Uh, how did you feel? I know we talked about it briefly, but how did you feel when it just entered Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me and it was just like, we're rewriting everything and we're changing it all and we're saving <laughs> Laura and it's going to be, everything's going to be good. And that... 
Coop was, and that Coop specifically did this on purpose. Mm. Yeah, it was weird when when it started. I was like, "Oh, okay, so Coop was there all along. That's interesting." But where's this going? Mm. And then when there was the you know the shifting point, I'm like, "Oh, okay, so." Am I meant to take this literally, or is he, like, trying to learn something? But no, he was actually changing history. And I think that's... <laughs> as the last episode shows, that was a bad thing to do. Yeah. Because as Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me demonstrate, demonstrated, she had to die. There was a specific logic, re- several reasons why she, she had to sacrifice herself, why she had to die. As sad as it is. And him removing her because he feels obligated to, because this is like the case. And he's been sitting with her for 25 years, I guess. <laughs> I am Laura. <laughs> the episode should have ended with like Leo and Jacques turning to each other and looking at Ronette. It's like, I guess you have to satisfy both of us at the same time. And then they just sweep the floor. <laughs> and then Ronette's like, Oh no, does Home Alone face the that, end? That was one thing that I found interesting too about the third season is they answered a lot of things that I never questioned, but I guess I go, mm, that makes sense. Like, I never questioned that that wasn't Laura in the red room, like the actual Laura. Oh yeah, the, the, I never the quest- cousin. Yeah, I never questioned it. I always thought, oh no, that's, that, that's her, because usually you have a differentiation between when, the doppelganging creatures. When and, you're, when and you're first... walk with me kind of certifies it a bit more. Yeah, when you first introduced, you got that scene, you know, the Lesrock, and, like, I feel like I know her. Like, at that point, it's vague, but as the show goes on in season two, I think it was pretty much confirmed it was it was. Laura. And then Firewalk you learn, with me nails it down, yeah, and then this is like, learn, no, no, guys, yes. You learn that the thing she whispers to Cooper is, my father killed me. Well, oh, whose father? Laura's father. That's yeah. Laura. I mean, I imagine an angry email will come in where it's like, excuse me, guys, you're fucking wrong on this, but sorry, guys, Twin Peaks, it's relax, such an easy show. Relax, it's an easy show. I made a mistake, but, you know, I owned up to it. I think the Three last times. episode, as unpopular as it, as it was when it first came out with a lot of people, and as unpopular it was with my former housemate and some people still today, I think is an essential part of this whole thing. And I found it personally satisfying, and I was thrilled when it actually gets to that point where he says, my God, what year is it? No joke, a chill went down my spine. I was just like, oh my God. That really shook me. Like I was just like, "Whoa!" Well, yeah, it was a real. This is something you yeah. haven't questioned. You just think like, and then you do think like they've been asking, "Is this present? Is this past or is this future?" And is you it just future go, or is it past? But when is this? That is a good question to ask. Like, when is this? And then, you know. But let's talk about that final episode a bit more. How did you feel about it all? Like it was very slow, methodical. Did you understand what was going on after it was all said and done? And um, how did you feel? You in- fried some guns. Yeah. In terms of the whole thing of he's Richard now, that sort of went over my head. Like, I know he woke up and got that note that was, like, addressed to Richard and it was from a Linda. Who I think was what Diane turned into. Yeah, I, I guess that's what they were going for, but the fact that they replaced those two sort of went over my head. Like, thinking about it now, it's like, oh yeah, they did wake up in a different, like in of sorts mm, oh yeah 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 and the cars parked elsewhere and it's it's something that i think back on like again i thought it was just another episode of you know you know cooper's in his more like serious mode because this like mm. serious kind of weird plot is going on where they found the right place on a road and then just kept driving yeah it's, it's one to keep thinking about i'm not 
I'm not super hyped about that episode, but I'm really fascinated every time I think about it, and that's why I'm not disappointed with it either. I think there's something to be said of, like, with the others, it seems like the change happened and they immediately become different people, but it seems like with Diane and, and, uh, and Coop, it seems like it's a very slow, gradual change, and I think Diane had it first when she sees her herself behind that pillar. Mm. And then they have sex, and that's a very intense, weird scene because she's blocking his face, I, I get, yeah, and like, it's very intense. But it seems like Coop, he's now Richard, but he's still holding on to being Coop. Like, he's still needing her to be Laura. He's still needing to solve this case, but he's not Coop anymore, fully, because he's very cold. He's very, like, he doesn't want coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's... He's very, but he has these little Coop remnants that he's still holding on to. Maybe, yeah, maybe he doesn't... Maybe. I guess I see it more like he doesn't realize he's Richard, maybe? When Yeah, because when he reads a note, he's like, Richard? Linda? Like, he doesn't know what that means. But, like, I think through his journey from the, you know, from the diner to, to where the new Laura lives, back yeah, to Twin Peaks, he's changing throughout that whole thing. He's becoming more cold and more distant and less like Coop and less like him. But he's still holding on to those essential elements that were driving Coop. Mm. when we saw him last like he needs it to be laura he needs this he's still i am the fbi i am the fbi yeah and there's that question of like what's the not laura character called again carrie yeah carrie or something yeah Uh, yeah there's that element of like at the very end like you know 10 seconds before the episode ends does she become laura again oh yeah does she wake up because she screams because she hears the audio played from the first season of of, char- of character we haven't mentioned at all Sarah, this episode, Sarah. I'll eat you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. she should have had more, Sarah. I've always thought Sarah should have had more to do, even in this season. I've always thought she was a very undervalued character. Mm. Less Stephen, more Sarah, please. Uh, yeah, I think, for me, it's kind of like Coop is slowly shifting into this other thing. And that ties into, well, how does this work time-wise? So... If they're in the present day or after the Laura got killed, how's he not Coop? Because him saving Laura doesn't change him being Coop, you would argue, necessarily. But if it's before that, how does it change things in the past? And this is a thing that is with Twin Peaks. Nothing is like... It's not a sci-fi show where they have logic. This is a supernatural fantasy world show in which... You know, owls if, are important, we, and the magical yeah. rings. If and... we if we take it as the the divergent point is, you know, when Laura is heading towards Leo and Jacques, why is it that she never lived in that house? Because Laura did live in that house before that divergent point. Unless this is obviously before. Yeah. And then you have the extra kick in the head of well, I did I point this out, but the the woman who answers the door at the old Palmer house is the actual person mm. who owns the house at that time at least which was cute uh, but, but again it's it's a meta thing no, no, that no, if you didn't tell me that's a cute little thing yeah. but what I'm saying is but then you have the names of the people who are characters that we have heard before yeah, yeah so who used to live there the Chalfonts or whatever which is like the old lady and her grandson or whatever that which do- we that know that Donna are, meets yeah. yes which we and are in Fire Walk With Me yeah 
And then also she's Miss uh, Tremaine or Treadman or something like that, which is also another name that's associated with those magical characters. So there's like, okay, something fucky is going on here with this whole house situation. There's something supernatural is going on here. Something's not right. Yeah, names associated uh, associated to the Black Lodge. Yeah, you're like, something's fucky here. Because you want to go, oh, just go to the station, Coop. If you see Andy there, then you'll know you'll where things are. But yeah, yeah. Don't get that. There's a whole thing of he like... He has to go straight to the house because obviously he's got a mission in mind. He's got to go there. It's obvious that like if we got another like 20 minutes of stuff happening, you know, we'd see... We'd get a few more ideas to work with. But instead we have this, you know... The, it ends with a question of, wait a second, what year is this? Like that... If you got the answer to that, you know, there'd be a lot more to think about. But the fact that there is no answer mm. gives you many, many things to think about. Yeah, and the little trickster in me that we see a lot in the mystery box is almost satisfied with that. Like, <laughs> people are going to be pissed off. But there, there is, yeah, the real, the real me, the non-trickster is like, hmm, I am curious to see where this goes. And then you get the satisfied me of we get to hear Cheryl Lee scream because she's a great screamer. She is like one of the best screams in like movies mm. and shows. Twenty-five she, years on, she still got she it. knows how to scream, baby. Yeah, this show, this season, this whole Twin Peaks world, it's a big, big messy creepy sad funny bizarre fascinating world some of it is good some of it's sloppy some of it has james in it (laughs) um some of it has freddie in it is freddie my least favorite character outside of james now maybe i don't know i don't know maybe uh coop's kind of shit (laughs) no don't say that he's a hero uh, uh, I know I said it with a straight face, but my soul didn't have a straight face. No, your soul died, in fact, and now <laughs> it's being punished in the Black Lodge. It's okay, my soul didn't die. My, the tulpa in Los, uh, Las Vegas died instead. I am the arm, and I make a noise like this. <laughs> yeah, at first it was a... But now he, now he doesn't have a hand or lip to make the noise. But he has a mouth, so he must scream. Yes, I, I guess the idea is that the the he sounds like a constant repetitive noise. Hey, at least we got some more stuff on what the white horse is about. Did we? It's been it's been a few weeks. What what was that? So, <laughs> the white horse has always been this thing that's there, right? Yeah. In the last episode, we see in Laura's. Not Laura, but Laura's uh, apartment or flat she's staying where the dead body's there that she's shot. Oh, and yeah, she's like, she, Coop looks at the statue of a white horse there and it makes the noise of the white horse. But in the episode eight, the one that we didn't even talk about, <laughs> the Got a Light episode, the ending credits of when uh, the, the homeless bum walks off into the desert and he fades away, all you hear is like a, a horse galloping and making neighing noises and you just have to go the horse came from this i don't know we know that the horse is from the black lodge now because when they blow the curtains open there he is over there to the right (laughs) before we didn't know if he was a black the horse was a black lodge creature or not it was just a thing that popped up when people were gonna fucking die and I guess it's consistent with that because it pops up in the 1940, like the 1940s, 50s segment where people are dying, but you just hear it. Mm. It's kind of neat. I don't remember that, but that is neat. It's neat. I didn't notice it the first time, but I reckon if you go back, you'll hear it. Like the, those ending credits or like the ending part of, of that episode eight, you hear the horse mm. galloping and trotting and neighing about, if I'm not mistaken. 
I could be. I'm so sorry. This is such an easy show. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's so many things that we didn't get to touch on, yeah. unfortunately. But this is just this is just such a sprawling epic. If we, yeah, if we went talking about Bobby a bit more, I also really liked how he got to talk about his father and mm. a lot more. Like that was just more like touching stuff. I loved Garland Briggs. Mm. He was a nice guy. The whole Jack Rabbit Palace thing. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah. It was all cute. And then there was gross shit in there as well. That's Twin Peaks now. It's yeah, like the, it's the cute, fly but then frog there's thing gross that goes thing. into baby Laura's mouth. Or well, not baby. Sarah. Sarah. Oh, Sarah, of course, yeah. And then you also have just the vomit scene mm. where they have the, the when they have the police bring in okay before we wrap it up one thing I forgot and I nearly died laughing from it was the two FBI agents that are in Las Vegas and they have to find Douglas Jones and and they're like uh, there's these two guys oh the right older yeah one and a younger one and, and the one's like there's like 28 of them. How are we going to find him? And then the other one's like, do your job and just do it. Yeah, I remember. Their yeah, dynamic the s- is so odd and it's never fucking explained. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the first time you, well, maybe it was the first time. The first time you really see him as far as I remember is he's talking to Gordon Cole, you know, the boss, the director of the company he works for. And he's normal. But then with his, in, well, his inferior in terms of he's the superior, he's like, over the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. I remember that was really that funny. That was funny. I nearly died laughing at that. This is the thing. It's just such a weird, bizarro world in which you have all this fun and stupidity and lightness. Hey, it's nice to see that Nadine got her drape runners. Yeah. Silent drape runners. Yay. That's fan service. I don't know. A lot of people are really mad at Dr. Jacoby becoming an Alex Jones conspiracy theorist, alt-right kind of nut job kind of guy. Where... Yeah, he's got his radio show. I admit, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, admittedly, Dr. Jacoby was never the hugest of characters, but I always thought he was... Uh, and not to... I don't know. Like, I'm just going to say this blanket statement, but I always thought he was a good person. Mm. So now when you see him in the future and he's like this weird, crazy conspiracy theorist nut job with like these consumeristic agendas yeah he's always been a eccentric kook like it's not too far of a stretch but i don't know like it's not the one that i'm thrilled with i wouldn't say that that is 100 percent a character evolution that makes sense it's kind of like you could say it does it didn't necessarily hit home for me never i never really found it funny Either, maybe? I found it a little funny, like when he played the same ad in two different episodes. <laughs> then we got to see it fully, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, great. All right, that's our episode on Twin Peaks. We just wanted to come back, chat mm. about it. I think we fully acknowledge that we didn't cover everything, but... How could we? It's 18, epi- 18 hours of, like, the hardest thing to describe. Yeah. Like, we could do a four-hour episode on one episode each episode. Like, yeah. you know? Rest in peace conversations about Matthew Lillard and his whole plot. Rest David in peace. David Bowie has a tea kettle. Rest in peace Philip Jeffries' plot. <laughs> Rest in peace, that random plot in which it cuts to Argentina for one scene and Bartek forgets about it and every time I've brought it up, you're like, when did that happen? Goodbye to that plot. Well, wasn't that a missing tapes thing? Missing pieces thing? No, dude. So there's a bit where... <laughs> See, I have to explain. There's a bit where an assassin... <sighs> the people who want money from Dougie... Yeah. They have a boss lady who is very annoyed that the guys haven't killed Dougie. 
and she's like shit and she like phones up this thing and it cuts all the way to Argentina and there's like this black box with these two lights on it and one light lights up and then that's it and then Mr. C phones up this exact same box later and it lights up and then it turns into something like the box disappears and it turns into something and that's all you get and then that lady gets assassinated by Ike the Spike the one who gets stabbed to death Mm. And it's like, remember that plot in Argentina where it randomly cut to this little box in Argentina? What was that there for? We'll never know. I think it was Argentina or maybe it was Brazil. We know Brazil is a thing because that's where he lived for a while. And then their man in Brazil got killed because Albert fucked up. I, I do remember there was a part where it cut to the country that that airport was in. Ah, the airport. But yeah, just the details. I so, I don't remember the box, but that'll be a rewatch bonus. That'll be a rewatch around. bonus. There's yeah. a lot of things. So you can email us listening people at our email address, which is spitandpolished at gmail.com with your thoughts, your views, things that you would have liked to have heard discussed, or things that you want to share with us, uh, uh, suggestions for movies to cover on our, our weekly show, you know, just general things you feel like emailing or discussing with us. You can also find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter, Spit and Polish Presents. And we have our YouTube page, Spit and Polish Presents as well. Basically, type in our show name and you'll find us on anything. Yeah, just don't forget the Presents and you'll find us. Although we are creeping up in the fact that we don't have to have the Presents anymore for a lot of things. But uh, The shoes are still there. Rate us, review us on whatever podcatcher allows. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in uh, what we're doing just here, we're talking about other things. Yes. Like, Bartek and I are just at this phase where, like we said, the world's kind of gotten in this weird place where we can't do the mystery box like we could before. So we just came back because some people were interested in hearing our thoughts on Twin Peaks Season 3, me having seen it before, Bartek not having seen it before. Whether we discuss shows again in the future, we'll see. But yeah. this was just something off the cuff. We wanted to come back. We hope you enjoyed Spit and Polish Presents miscellaneous discussion episode. <laughs> Spit and Polish and Twin What's, Peaks. Yeah, literally, I think at this point, we don't know what this upload is titled. I'll call it that. At this point, we don't know what this upload is titled. <laughs> AKA the one about Twin Peaks, AKA Twin Peaks The Return, AKA Twin Peaks The Revival, AKA Twin Peaks Limited, Limited. Event Series, AKA Twin Peaks, AKA Twin Peaks Season 3. Yeah, fuck you, miscellaneous, discu- miscellaneous discussion episode. So, just before we fully go, there is the one question I gotta ask. If there was a Season 4, mm-hmm. and I know this is pointless to ask, but what would you want? What would I want? Yeah, to see in a season four. Where would you want this to go? What would you want? Because that's the thing, like, people are saying, like, oh, man, I can't wait for a season four. I want, like, but here's the thing. With season two, when it ended, we all kind of knew what we wanted. Like, even you having had to blast through them. There were some things at the end of season two that you must have been like, oh, I would have liked to have seen this if it progressed. Mm. But what... Like, I'm keen on David Lynch doing more, but I don't know what I would actually want to see. Honestly, and I and sort of why I'm interested in David Lynch, I tie it back to, like, in recent years, I've really gotten into Suda51's video game works. And I see it a lot as, oh, I really want to see what comes out of this director's mind next. Yeah. So uh, in the vaguest answer, that is kind of what I would want with whatever this next season is. I just want to see if it ever what David Lynch, you know, is is thinking next. 
rather than a specific like, oh, I'm a, I love this character. I want to see them fulfill this, this, and this. It's not even about that. It's like, like yeah, it's about that too. But I agree. I would want to see more of this world and what David Lynch wants to do with it. But I think it's that thing of like, it's hard to say where I'd want just any of it to go. Like, I have no... Like, I'm very satisfied. I said this about Tony Mix before I walk with me. I was satisfied with that. I was happy. Like, I was mm. done with that being the end of it all for me because it was always about Laura and it still kind of is. Well, and also that's a prequel, so we know where it goes. But, like, but... as a bow to finish up the series, yeah. I was fine with that because it was always about Laura and that movie details that. But this, it's like, I honestly, it's not about, like, oh, where would I like to see characters? It's more like, where would I like to see the story go? Where it's This is a cliffhanger. Mm. I, I genuinely don't know. Like, at the end of season two, you have a cliffhanger, but there's, like, so many things that you were like, I would like to see the this state... story explored. I'd like to see this st- done. And this yeah, but is, like... The state of the chronology at the end of season two wasn't in question. No, no, exactly. But I guess that's the thing. People want to see a season four, and that's the question. Do we need it? Maybe. There's always the thing of sometimes not getting it is good enough. Because mm. what's he going to do? He's just going to fuck us over again at the end of the next season. Because <laughs> he's always been about, like, he was never wanting to tell us who the killer was. They're not interested in ending things. So mm. it's like, <laughs> how much can you one up yourself? I would be interested. I, but I don't know. It's one of those things where I go, I'm fine, honestly, with this being it. I think with me, it's a thing of like, yeah, even if he is going to fuck us over again, each time he's done that, there has still been a couple of hours worth of content where he is following up. Oh, yeah. And I think that alone would be worth it. I think we won't get it because this season in modern television is like the rarest of gems. I've never seen a show like this season, especially during this era of prestige television. The fact that it got made is an astonishment in itself, and I don't think we're ever going to get anything like it again. (laughs) I have heard that even a lot of people that weren't necessarily into it were, you know, pretty satisfied that they got something, like, of this quality. Or some sort of sentiment like that. Yeah. Well, that's it, Bartek. Until next time, listening people, remember... Hello! Yes, so long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, and hello!